and literally we just talk about whatever the shit, man. Just like like a Joe Rogan podcast. Um, I mean, Bill, if you haven't heard the podcast, basically, we we there is no structured. It's not like um, question answer. We flow. It doesn't have to be all powerlifting related. We just fucking talk shit and say whatever you feel. It's a conversation. It's a straight up conversation. It's what it is not is an interview. Uh, but you you know if you heard the podcast that it's like whatever the shit, man. We just we just yeah. let it flow and talk. Yeah, yeah. So just remember, just remember you asked for this. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's it. So I'll pop this on. Uh, let me tilt this way. There we go. Fellas? Okay. Why don't we take a second here and allow you to introduce yourself. Whoa, are you losing me here? Sorry, I suppose. Uh, introduce yourself, fellas. We got the U.S. National Team Coaching Staff. Uh, Bill, you want to go first? Sure. Um, Bill McCarthy, owner of Get to Lift Powerlifting, assistant coach to my good friend Arian over there for the uh, U.S. national team. Um, you know, just a uh, pretty much a you know husband, father, powerlifting coach. That's where I'm at, and uh, I'm just here to have a good time with you guys tonight. There, there it is. There it is. And how long have you been powerlifting, sir? Oof, uh, going on 12, 13 years now. Okay, so that's OG status, I think. You know, when I see some... Close I, to, I mean, I compared to everybody else, yeah, for the most that, part. That's OG. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Look, look at when I... Actually, fuck it, I'm going to get into it in one second here, but let's get Arian introduced. We'll just, cut, we'll just cut him out of your video. Arian, introduce yourself, my man, for people who might not know you. Anyone who's watched the World Championships probably has seen you guys, but let's do it anyway. Yeah, I mean, certainly my pictures have made it out there. But, yeah, my name is Aaron Kamesi. Uh, I just recently became the U.S. national team coach for the Open team at Raw Worlds. Before that, I was the sub-junior and junior. And, uh, yeah, I compete, too. I uh, did my first USAPL meet in 2011. Before that, I did some unsanctioned meets. So not as OG as Bill, but these days I kind of feel – OG compared to all the new people in the last couple of years. When did, when he's, did, a, he's a national champion, my friend. <laughs> a national champion, this guy. What, Don't when, let him tell you any different. When did you start lifting? What was the year? Uh, it was uh, it was the summer of going into high school, so it had to have been like 2001, 2002. Oh, what? Holy shit, man. You are straight OG. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... It's funny because nowadays, when you hear people, there was like that boom around 2014-ish when IPF went raw, 2015, etc. And then, um, so it started, and a lot of people jumped in then. And then those guys and girls are like, they think they're OGs. And they talk to people in two years, three years, like, hey, man, I'm a fucking, you know... I've been around. I remember Hack versus Gibbs. I remember, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it feels like that was yesterday to me. But, um, yeah, man, it's it's a... What do you guys think makes you an OG status and powerlifting? Do you have to have been around before that, before IPF Here's went the raw? Deal. It's very simple. Raw didn't exist when I started. That's it. Boom, there it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no yeah. one, no one understands. Like, oh, I can't believe you lifted equipped. Well, yet you had no choice, or else you showed up and you were basically completely at a disadvantage in these competitions. Yeah. So, I mean, 
equipped was all that there was. That was powerlifting. And yeah. so that's basically what sit, puts sits you back. And you know you're quote-unquote OG in this sport when classic raw didn't exist. So do you think that is – I, I would even take it maybe further back than that, but it is – Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. But I'm saying for the for the immediate people of like – Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, raw, I can't believe this. I can't believe, you know, equip, equip, bashing, all the equip bashing out there. Like there would be no powerlifting if the equip didn't exist. So if you lifted equipped before Raw existed, you're a semi-OG at least. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> First off, what's everybody drinking? Ah. Got myself a nice Carlsberg. All right. My man. I don't have any beer with me, so I'm drinking some uh, Tito's. Jesus. <laughs> hard stuff, hey. Where are we going to go with him, this? They don't call him Kamesi for no reason, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Messi Kamesi is living <laughs> up to his name. We might have to cut this podcast off when you start doing fucking slurs and start getting a little too... too or make it three hours long and see what happens. Or let's just fucking let it fly. This could be the best <laughs> one yet. This could be a banger. That, that could be it. Um, so because you guys have been around... I, I remember... I do remember back in the day when before the IPF went raw and whatnot... How do you guys feel about equipped right now? How it's, Bill, you're starting to touch up on a little bit of how it's treated. And it, you're right. It isn't treated with respect for sure. Maybe not in North America as much, but in Europe, it's, it's still alive, is it not? Of course. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's much bigger over in Europe and Asia for sure. Yeah. And why do you think that is? I think maybe just the infrastructure of the federations. Yeah. Uh, you know, if a lot of these that are, have their own governing bodies and that kind of stuff that kind of pay for stuff. And the fact that the equipped goes to the world games and that's yeah. the biggest stage in their mind. Yeah. So until that switches over, I believe that that's probably why. Um, plus it's just more old school over there. Right. I mean, that's the, the roots of powerlifting for these guys. Mm-hmm. So that could possibly be it. Um, I don't know how big CrossFit is over there, but that's obviously where the huge raw influx came in the U S yeah. and North America. Um, for us, at least with USAPL, so maybe that's why. I'm not sure. Yeah, do you think, Aaron? You know what? Thinking about, it, I don't know a whole shitload of Asian CrossFitters champions, anyways, <laughs> man. Um, yeah, for sure. You know what's fucking crazy? One of the girls who won CrossFit, like the you know woman's the fittest woman in the world, I think once or twice, is from Iceland. And then Iceland, like Iceland, for anyone who doesn't know, a little stats for you is like a small city for population wise in terms of statistically speaking 7 billion people in the world Iceland's like I'm just going to throw a number out there there's going to be people who be like no it's actually 400,000 <laughs> but it's like 300,000 people alright it had the world's fittest woman CrossFit champion how many times has Iceland won the world's strongest man because um, they have multiple right. time winners I think they have 3 different fellas winning it multiple times on top of that and then their, their soccer team has made it um, to the Euro Championship, I believe the World Cup. What the fuck is going on in Iceland? And, and listen, they don't have a military, and Putin isn't even fucking, they don't hear a pill from Putin. Now that tells you anything you need to know, okay? When people are like, don't they need a military? Roll up on Iceland and see what happens, <laughs> right? You're not paying attention. But um, yeah, when, when I was thinking about the... Uh, CrossFit World Champions. It's crazy they even have, like, they're everywhere, man. Have you guys been to Iceland? Because they have that invitational going out there. Nah, I haven't been before. I've done a quick stopover, you know, in the airport, but nothing yeah. significant. It was just uh, like a, a seven-foot dude working at the Tim Hortons in the fucking airport. <laughs> yeah, the exactly. Yeah. At the yeah. airport. 
I'm fairly certain there's no Tim Hortons in Iceland. Yeah, I, I said that, and I showed my cards that I'm Canadian, so I, I was like, or Dunkin' Donuts, or what the fuck do these guys know? I don't, what, guys, that was so Canadian of me. But yeah, I've never, I want to go to Iceland, because they have that invitation, do they not? Where, like, a lot of yeah, people... They yeah, they have the Reykjavik games. I know That's Kimberly right. Wofford's done it a number of times. Uh, Bonica's done it a number of times. Yeah, yeah. It, but there is literally only like 300,000 people there, no? Something like that. I'm sure we can look it up. It's Google fucking, machine, bud. Google it, machine. It's fucking ridiculously small, and it makes absolutely no sense. Like, how is it? Statistically speaking, that should never be. The fact that they... If they get one world's strongest man, oh, that's fucking wild. Picture this being like a city, because it is no bigger population-wise than the city. If the same city, the world's strongest man repeatedly comes from there, and then the world's fittest woman, and then their fucking hockey, or sorry, their um, soccer team is going like world-class, it's like, what the shit is going on in this city? If this is happening to a small-ass city, 300 people, we'd be like, what's going on, man? So then what's going hey, on with Paris? actually pretty man. close with, with uh, 364,000. Oh, shit. You see so, I mean, that? obviously, you got the strongman, you got the CrossFit, right? You're saying the soccer team is nice. Yeah. Powerlifting, okay, I know JK is out there with the big world record deadlift, but yeah. I honestly yeah. don't really know anybody else from Iceland to be Not his sure. wife. You know what? <laughs> yeah, his wife. I believe, um, I think a lot of them go towards, if you're a big fella lifting weights, you go towards the yeah, strongman, though. It's like part of, I saw a documentary, and it was like. Oh, you're sick. But you think it's going to be like 74 kilo strongman over there in this one? Or no? <laughs> they just you, don't have them. They you have to bring them. up the 74 kilo. And that was the first mention came from you, Bill. I want that. Oh, you're, you're blushing already. <laughs> 10 minutes in, you're blushing already. Look at that. Anyway, listen, these fellas always busting my chops when I talk about the 74 kilo boys. And they're like, let's see how many times I bring it up. Yeah, man, I got a soft spot for those 74 kilo boys. What, what do you guys, what's your favorite division then to watch? What's the most competitive division in the USA and worldwide? Go ahead, Aaron. Uh, well, if you look at the men's side, the one that's really blown up uh, in the past few years is the 105s. So, like, at 2015 Worlds in Finland, 105s was, like, one of the weakest weight classes. Like, I think almost everyone had less than a 500 ropes that year at Worlds. And then now all of a sudden it's blown up with all these guys, Bryce Lewis, Ashton Rashka, Mikey Davis, J.K. Mandola. So that one's, like, really crazy right now. And then on the women's side, I mean, the, the 63s and the 72s, the 63s, was ridiculous in the U.S. and now it's getting really big internationally. And then the 72s um, oh. has gotten weaker in the U.S. but internationally, it's still ridiculous. Yeah, what do you think, Bill? You agree? I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I mean, it's kind of hard not to not to agree with that. Um, you know, when you go look back at like you know Canada, when you have like five guys legitimately that can win the 105s, you know, stuff like that. Um, I was the same thing. Oh shit! What the hell is going to happen here? Um, you know, the 72s last year. Um, so hopefully, you know, this year, if it happens, when it happens, the 63s will be stacked, the 72s will be stacked, the 105s will be stacked. Depends on who ends up showing up. You know what I mean? I mean, if we don't have any Mr. Deadlift, we don't have any then it's like, okay, it's a you know two-horse race, three-horse race instead of a five, six-horse race kind of thing, you know? But as far as my personal preference, I mean, obviously the weight classes I compete in are the ones you're going to watch. The same reason you love the 74s, right, you little skinny boy? Yeah, yeah. Man, I'm not a 74. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, should we go over all the weight classes you've been through? 
Hey, hey, hey. Some of those records are sealed, man. And those pictures have been deleted and burned, and I don't reference them anymore. There's some. Hey, you, you talk about what you talking about his world record, right? His world record squad. The, the, the candidate's got talent. Uh, That's right. Baby. Appearances. Guinness World Records. Yeah, that was about a, what, a 120, Ryan, right there? Huh? I was dog. I was fucking. I was, that I was, was not six pack. I was, was not six pack. I, they were calling me six pack, but I was. it was a six pack of the air. I was rocking, not, not abs. I'll tell you that way. <laughs> chunky boy. Um, yeah, I think it, for me, in the US, what do you guys feel about the 74s, though? Do you think it's well, a good I mean, I mean, if you go look back, there's a lot of hype, but if you go look back at every single year, Taylor Atwood's easily won by 20, 30, 40 kilos. Maybe yeah. some guy tried to do a big pull for the win like Blake with you, but never gotten it. Yeah. So there might be a lot of hype and maybe a lot of like the training going in looks close, but so far it hasn't been close. Yeah, exactly. In the gym, it looks exciting. Yeah. Meat day shows up, not so much. Now, obviously these younger guys are getting older. Hopefully more seasoned. They get a little more savvy with their attempt selection. And then all of a sudden... Taylor has something to worry about. But as far as right now, you know, no one's close until they actually put it on paper. Yeah. Done. And they were there. Do you think, um, so, hey, why do you think they got so much hype behind them? Like, why do you think people got you? So much hype you. <laughs> 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 what all reason would there be? It's you. Well, it wasn't. That's just... a diss and a compliment at the same time. That, right? Well, that's the thing. So, but it can't be just me. There's elements in terms of like, um, do you think personality-wise and how they're all kind of stretched out? Like, if you like a quiet, strong guy, if you like the di- – people like – they're di- diagnostic. Is that the word I'm looking for? People love dynasties. So if you like a dynasty, if you like um, the, the, the villain, or if you like, you know, that good-looking kid with pizzazz, you got it covered with Perkins, Atwood, Cho, and C. Um, yeah, you're right. Like, I, I'll look at it. I hate the shit out of it. Here's one thing that I'll give it, though. Of all the weight classes that had showdowns going into the Raw Nationals – I was shooting out messages and be like, do you guys want to come on, all the competitors, and meet and talk all at the same time? Because I'm like, trust me, as an MMA and UFC fan, and know you guys pay attention to that shit too, it helps hype it. And that's why you got it. You got to do it. It's shitty. It's uncomfortable. But that's how you hype it. The 74s were the only ones to raise their hand and be like, let's, I'm going in. I'm, let's do it. And I was like, okay. So they all came on. And, um, man, Atwood showed up wearing all of his medals and, like, there was like, <laughs> shit talking. And that was, like, one of the most downloaded episodes. So, if everyone plays their part. Now, what do you guys think about the shit talking? Overdone. It's okay. Whatever it is, what it is. Necessary evil. Do you like it? How you guys feel about the shit talking? Yeah, I like it. I mean, I don't see any reason why there shouldn't be shit talking. Yeah. I mean, it's fun, right? I mean, this makes this sport, which is literally lifting weights, which is not exciting for the most part, for the, the most outsiders. It's going to build up some hype, some animosity between the people, whatever. Um, but yeah, in this age of the internet, for sure. I mean, if you, if you can hype it and you're going to shit talk, then why the hell not, man? It's yeah. a good time. You know, you want to see like, uh, you know, Ray and Jezza going back and forth. You know what I mean? Come on. Like, no. <laughs> that would be funny. Can you no, 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 but if we could, if legit, if we could get somehow get like um, Blaine and Kanavala from Russia to get some kind of shit talk going on, you know, if they can get them both on here with a translator, that would be yeah. amazing. Oh, like something like that would be amazing. I, you know what? I'm glad you said that. I had no, so um, I had Blaine on and he told me what the, what the Russian was saying about him, but I didn't know because he's on the Russian podcast. And um, so we don't see like, 
clips. We don't see memes. We don't see, like, the comments are lost on us. And I was like, what's... I, I had no fucking idea. And then apparently it's bitter. Like, he was talking huge shit. Apparently Blaine was taking, like, quotes from this guy off of podcasts that were in Russian, but he got them in English and was posting them on his wall. And the guy's like, his Blaine had popped, bombed out a couple times, etc. And um, the guy was like, he can't hit depth. He, he's a choke artist. He's, you know, I'm going to beat him like I did last time. Um, just talking mad shit. And then when I, I was like, so what was like when you saw him? And he's like, well, I was like, was it friendly? Because the 74 Kilo Boys, for the most part, when they see each other, it's, it's, it's friendly. They'll take pictures together, whatever. I was like, you don't got to be friends, but sporting, take pictures together. He's like, oh, we, we were not taking pictures together. <laughs> he's like, no, no, no. We do. As soon as I, when I walk in the room, he knows I'm in the room. When he's in, when, same, when he walks in the room, I'm like very aware. Not like anything's going to happen, but it's one of those weird, you know, you're a little tense of this dude had talked some shit and there was no shaking. Did you shake his hand afterwards? He's like, nah, man, no shaking hands. No, uh, <laughs> yeah, that shit's and with that, what? With the language barrier, they might not be able to talk shit each other, but they're probably like death staring each other 100%. in a world pro. Like every time probably Blaine makes a squad, he probably walks off and just like stares him down like, yeah, I made the attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that's what he said was a huge motivation for him. So you're right. If, if we could do Fuck, man. Look at look what you got me into, Bill. I'm working on it, man. I'm, I'm thinking on. about this now. I think I think we should do that, dude. I didn't... Uh, yeah, fuck. We just got to get somebody who can speak Russian. I had a couple people reach out. and um, I, got a, I got a couple friends that can help you out if you need okay. it. Okay. For sure. I, Andre? Yeah. There we go. There we go. So that's what we'll do. Next time... Well, next time world rolls around, let's fucking see what that is. Um, it's a little tough. Yeah. Dude, possibly November, possibly November, but yeah, no, but I think it overall, I mean, the shit talking and that kind of stuff. I mean, if, you know, online is one thing, right? You read back and forth. Okay, fine. But if you can legitimately get them, you know, quote unquote, face to face here, you know, on a podcast like yeah. that, that's a different story that, that yeah. puts personality, puts a face to it. You can actually see the person, you know, see what the true colors coming out in each person, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that's kind of cool. That is kind of cool about yeah. it for sure. I have to uh, agree with Bill there. I mean, it's uh, I know everyone's supposed to be like nice and power thing, and some people cheer people on, and that part's awesome. LS like cheering on his competitors at nationals and stuff. Um, but it's also cool to see like the real sports side of it, which is a little bit of back and forth, a little bit of shit talking, like the villain, and and of course like Taylor comes from football, so he's got that competitive juices behind him, and he got uh, Perkins, who's part of Midland, so he's got his whole crew behind him, so it obviously makes a a lot more fun and right now it's just on social media but it'd be cool if you can like see more of that maybe like in interviews and stuff like that um at the actual championship i oh shit at the championship like are you thinking uh like before and after like the guy who's commentating comes up puts a mic in the face and is like what do you think about blah 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 like that live on the at the event yeah, or maybe it could be a day before, yeah, like, day before like, yeah. UFC yeah. and they do the pre-fight conference or whatever like that and sit them down and just be like, hey, how's training been going? How's the weight and stuff like that? Film next to each other, see what yeah. happens. Fuck yeah. You know what? Here's, and this is why I'm gutted that the SPD Invitational in Sheffield was canceled because they were going to have a meet the athletes session where people, the VIP packages came and I was supposed to do like an introduction, talk about the certain showdowns. The guys and girls were all supposed to be there. And there was going to be questions, answers, and I was going to, like, highlight showdowns and bring it out. And I was going to interview every single one of the athletes ahead of time and got sound bites and got notes. 
So if we were leaning in certain directions, storyline-wise, you you know, you could definitely hype it up. I don't know if it would end up being like, you know, the UFC where those guys are like talking bad shit. And it's like we like the Dana White, um, Peter's like Dana White in between the two dudes trying to separate him. I don't think we get that far, but um I I, I agree with you, man. I think if it was here's the thing. Some people are uncomfortable with this. And you don't have to talk shit necessarily. Like, if you don't want to talk shit, if you respect the other person, like, I don't want to talk shit. You don't have to, though. But just being there, answering those questions while the other person's there makes it, like, whew, it's a little more, it's different, isn't it? It's something about, like, it's something about a Bill's right there and Bill's like, I think I'm going to fucking take this. I think I'm going to win this. Because Arian doesn't, Arian squats big, the bench ain't there. And if I load the bar, I think I load the bar for the win. Say that when Arian's there. He's not, he's not talking shit about Arian. He's like, I hot's off the Arian. I like the dude. But I think I got it tomorrow. That's fucking, that's a soundbite. I don't care who you are. That's a soundbite. Give that to me. I throw it on King of List. SPD throws it out there. People are watching. And he didn't even talk shit about it. He said, I like the guy. He's amazing. I'm, he's going to make me elevate. But I'm going to win. Give me that yeah, soundbite. I think you can right. even talk about your own lifts. You can talk about how your your weight's on point and yeah, uh, yeah. how you've been hit all these great numbers in training and hit these big PRs and and it could just be like positive that way. But the shit talking is always good too. And and you might actually get to see a little bit more per- people's personality. Yeah. Will they actually talk shit when it's in person, or will they only do it when on social media? Yeah. Who the you fuck got, is this guy? You got you got you got guys like our buddy Joseph Capolino who whatever shit he says to you online, he'll say the same shit to you to your face at the competition. Oh wow! What does he say? Is, is he like how? So okay. So put it this way: What do you think would be? Because while this is good, you also don't want somebody getting in people's faces trying to intimidate people in the warm up room. So what do you think the line would be? Because there, there's a point where it's like I respect if you're gonna say something online, you're gonna say it to his face, cool. But the fact that you're willing to say something to somebody's face doesn't mean what you said was right or appropriate. So let's talk about that. What do you think would be like, hey man, relax, re-fucking relax. We're warming up. Like, don't, dude, like, you wouldn't approach someone when they're warming up and shit trying to do psychological warfare like that, would you? Or, or have you even seen that, maybe? I don't think I've actually ever seen that. Um, I did see, I remember, um, I guess in Canada, uh, it was nothing remotely close to this, but uh, Charles against Gladkick, the, um, oh, so yeah. Poco, Apoko against um, the Russian Gladkick, who's the defending perfect. champ. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And there was definitely quite a few glances going back and forth. And, you know, Charles is very boastful when he's back there. You know, I'm the king, I'm the king, <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff. Like, he, he hypes himself up for sure. And damn well worth it, man. I mean, the yeah. guy delivered two years in a row, no yeah. questions asked. Yeah. Um, but, like, that was pretty intense, too, because the Russians kept staring over, watching our warm-ups. And we could give a shit about what they were doing because we know, you know, Charles does what he got to do. We're good to go. Um, but yeah, same deal. They're kind of peeking over, sending guys over to walk over, that kind of stuff. And they definitely caught eyes a bunch of times in between attempts, you know, going back and forth on the platform, um, you know, backstage and that kind of stuff, which is pretty yeah. cool. So that was, that was, that was a good one for sure. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the good thing about uh, like worlds or world games, um, or these bigger events is usually there's not a lot of lifters. They're doing like one weight class per session. And then there's enough warmups where everyone kind of like spreads out. So, like, yeah, there doesn't need to be any, like, fighting over a rack, really, or, like, fighting in person at the warm-ups. You can kind of keep it to post-game or maybe pre-game. And then when it's competition time, you kind of, like, sh- uh, shut that shit down. Just like in other sports, like, during warm-ups and stuff, they kind of keep the team separate and stuff. Yeah. What do you got, Bill? So, in Belarus, so, um, Arian's team had the junior-sub-junior team. And I was handling two kids in the same session. 
uh, in the same flight going head to head. I'm not going to name names, but basically I was <laughs> unaware of this going into it. They were ranked one and two going in and they were talking a ton of shit online to each other. All their boys were talking a bunch oh, of shit to each other. No. Uh, so it came down to the last deadlift and one dude ended up missing it. Um, so the kid who ended up winning started talking some shit to the kid who got in second place. And there was literally, I had to almost break up a fist fight in the oh, back there. Shit. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was pretty intense. For, I mean, it's, it's funny looking back at it now, but like when it was going down, I'm like, thank God I was there at that time yeah. to shut this down or else it would have been two USA kids brawling <laughs> each other, you know, in the middle of Belarus, for God's sakes. What weight class is this? Is 74s? I didn't say. I tried to get you, you know, I was hoping you would say that I was, people were going to bet mad Googling that. Oh, I this guy. Um, I like how you totally kept your wits about you. Don't don't let me catch you, fellas. Don't let me catch you because I need those sound bites for the downloads. Um, no, it's it's. I think too, if you win, shit talking when you win, is, like once it's over. Look, Conor McGregor says, "I'll do a ton of shit talking leading up to. There might be some shit talking during, but as soon as the fight's over and I win, I'm not gonna talk shit about you. I shut it down right there. The next opponent, the next guy, because the next fight's lining up." I'll talk shit about him. But the guy I just beat will lay back. That's you 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 take your L, that's it. And that's kind of where he thinks though, and he's man, this dude, in terms of lines, he's crossed a fucking lot of them. Is that fair to say? So yeah, yeah. What, what, what do you guys think? Like, in that situation right there, for instance, we're all in agreement, a little shit talking makes it a little more colorful. But when one guy wins, goes into the warm-up room and keeps talking shit. Is it like, all right, young man, take it easy. We're lifting weights. It's a game. This is a sporting game. Is it? Is it kind of like that's a little too much? Yeah, when it's over, it's over. I yeah. mean, there's nothing. You know, there's no reason to gloat because you got the gold medal on your neck for God's sakes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's no gloat needed after that. There's no shit talking needed. The other guy already knows what was handed to him, kind of deal. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and that situation so, that that Bill's talking about is a little bit different because those are kids we're talking about. They weren't adults, so oh, yeah, they don't yeah. the talk? same way. When we say kids, are are we juniors or sub juniors? Like, how old are we talking roughly? It was one of those. Yeah. Oh, damn. <laughs> He's staying vague. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. About the glad kick in Apoko showdown. For those who don't know, glad kick won two years in a row, back to back titles. Did miss, did miss a fucking lift. As a matter of fact, didn't get a single red. And I dubbed him, and you know I love my nicknames, Mister Perfect. And um, I said that I was like, he's Mister Perfect. And then when he went toe to toe with Apoko in um, in Calgary, Canada, for the first time we saw glad kick miss a squat. And I remember I was, I told, we were doing like, before the, the competition start, the camera swings around, I give a bit of an intro for anyone watching, like you guys have said, the more you know about these guys, the more you're going to care, otherwise it's just two dudes squatting, benching, whatever the shit, it's kind of boring. So I said, this is Mr. Perfect here, he never misses, never misfires, but this is the young kid who's cocky, coming on the way up, uber confident, and um, when Glackick missed, it was like... Cause I built it so strong yeah. that he never misses, never even gets a, never even gets a red, not even a red, all three whites at the world level. Very hard. You guys know how hard that is. When he actually missed the lift, it was like, oh shit! What are we about to watch today? And um, obviously Charles did what he did, um, and he's got a phenomenal story. It's funny because when Charles would go out and hit the platform, yeah, he was cocky. Like, you could tell he was, like, talking shit, walking up to the to the bar and everything. 
But when he comes on the when when you see him in the back in the warm up room afterwards, or he's been on the podcast, he's he's a good. He's like a humble kid. He's a good kid. He's not like oh, arrogant sure. or tough to be around. So it's I mean, he's, he's a self hype man for sure. That's right. I mean, right. I mean, that's what most of us have to be in this sport. Where it's an individual sport. The you know. Yeah. Yes, it's an individual sport. I mean, flat out. So when you're there by yourself and you're in Canada. And it's just basically you and your girlfriend are there. You know, you have two USA coaches. You've got to hype yourself up. Yeah. Right. doesn't matter if you're at the local meet at the, you know, YMCA down the street, whatever. You're there. You got to do your numbers. You got to hype yourself up. And obviously he can do that. And he's, you know, very good at that. Thus he's, you know, world champion for God's sakes. That's why you can't really, sorry, go ahead, Aaron. I was just saying, and just to give some background on, on Charles, like going into worlds last year, I mean, the dude did, did all the paperwork, like whatever we asked him on leading up, he did it. At the meet, whatever adjustments you wanted to make to the game plan or, or the attempts, whatever like that, he, he went along with everything. He didn't fight with anything. He adjusted for everything. He hyped himself up for the attempts. And even though he was cruising to a victory, when he missed his third bench, it still bothered him. He wanted to have that perfect day. Yeah. Maybe he wanted to be Mr. Perfect. Yeah, wow. He wanted to hit those goal, goals that he wanted. It still bothered him that he missed that third bench, finished on a good note. There were like no problems with him. He was just like really easy to work with and really good mentally there. People are filming him, Titan shooting a video on him. Didn't bother him at all. It's it's true what Bill was saying about like, okay, if you're watching, if you're watching these guys, when you step out on that level, I know some people do local meets and they think they, they understand what it feels like. It's different when you're going to lift. It's on the fucking Olympic channel. And um, like some of these clips, there's millions of people watch. Literally, you, if you follow on the YouTube and see the views on some of these, they get posted, reposted a million times over and uh, millions of people watching. So when you're hitting there and you don't have somebody who's like a team with you in terms of like basketball, there's other guys on the court to rely on. If you miss something, someone else can go up grab the ball you whatever you got to do to get yourself psyched up whatever you got to do to get yourself in the mental state you don't hold it against that guy or girl if they come off a little funny if they come off a little aggressive if they come off a little cocky they they're in the mental state they got to do to handle that pressure and perform and if it fucking works that's why i'm like when people like i don't like the way he carries himself but you, he or she may not carry themselves like that 24 7 you'd be shocked you'd be surprised some of them do now having said that you don't gotta name names but the U.S. has got to have some egos with social media. We got some social media stars coming out the U.S. We got some dynasties coming out the U.S. Is it sometimes hard dealing with egos um, when you're at with the world level so much at stake? And they have like, they're telling themselves, I got you. I understand why you want this number, etc. But if I hit or miss, it's going to be on me. They're going to remember me, my name. And um, so have you guys had to deal with anything like that? Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, it'd be on. Yeah, we got. You have anything? I got a good one. If you don't have anything, Aaron, I'll go. Uh, I don't know about any specifics, but we have all kinds of situations. We've had obviously a number of, of lifters that want to have like their entire posse in the warm room, oh, and the IPF, the IPF has their rules on how many coaches are allowed per lifter for that session, and also USAPL has always been changing the rules. And same thing with the CPU on who's allowed to be back there, and who's not. So that's like. A constant fight with every year saying like okay this is what the ipf stipulates this is what usapl stipulates i have to be back there bill might have to be back there and so like we have to fight with them and saying like you don't need to have all these people there to hype you up or film you or pick your attempts for you and all stuff like that and then of course yeah there's people that think that 
the travel is not going to affect them. The weight cuts not going to affect them. The lights aren't going to affect them. The IPF referees calling depth in the front is not going to affect them. And they want to like open up with these huge numbers. And we have to basically tell them, we recommend based on your previous numbers <laughs> and the training that you're showing and all these other factors, they need to bring it down to this level. Yeah. It's funny you use the word posse. I love that. <laughs> it sounds like these dudes that's are what like, it is man it's you're like, going to these meets and you see these guys with four or five six guys back there and you're like they're bosses for sure really? yeah wow. no even at the local meets i mean come on i mean yeah. i mean i'm sure it happens in canada too all your buddies that are lifting and your you know your mom your dad your brother your sister your girlfriend all yeah. them are back there you know hyping you up whatever um the one big one i was going to say was actually ray last year okay so you know the story obviously with ray bombing out of the meet he let himself get a little bit you know, I don't want to say ego, because that's not the thing. He doesn't really have an ego, but he wasn't completely honest about him being sick, mm. right? If he said, hey, man, I'm feeling like shit. I'm, like, deteriorating quick. Like, you know, he's even, you know, he even said after the meet, like, hey, man, I'm sorry that I didn't let you guys know I was sick sooner kind of thing. You know, we could have pulled this stuff way down and maybe salvaged a total and, you know, who knows. But um, obviously going out there with that, I mean, that was a, that was a tough call for him and... Yeah, I mean, again, it's not a, it wasn't an ego thing for him. It was like, you know, this is 85% of my max or whatever. I know I can hit this. Yeah. And just he was just sick and deteriorating, but we didn't know that until after the fact. And yeah. that, was the, that was the big thing. So sometimes the whole truth isn't there sometimes. Um, I know there's been cases where kids have been like, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm going to hit this, blah, 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 whatever. And then, like, after the meet, you're like, Oh shit! Yeah, I pulled my hamstring last week. Uh, you know, running laps, trying to cut, trying to make weight or whatever. And you're like, okay, that might have been helpful. You know, three <laughs> hours ago, and we could have actually pulled your squat down and actually hit something decent or whatever. But yeah. you know, you know, stuff like that where there, you know, sometimes there's lack of facts. Let's put it that way. I don't want to say it's dishonesty, but like lack of facts sometimes. Uh, um, the you know, oh yeah, I hit this bench in training. Yeah, but you were five kilos heavy. You didn't mention yeah. that part. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't max um, out on squats. You 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 didn't squat beforehand. It was a bench right. day. You went in there only bench in your hand. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's it, I know what you mean. Where it's one of those fine lines. Or sometimes if you're an athlete, like you might because this is how we do in sports. We talk like how bad do you want it? I don't like you. You can watch motivational. You can see the memes, see the videos, and some of these motivational clips will be like, it doesn't matter what you feel today. You know, in training, you're listening to your body. In competition, you tell your body to shut the fuck up. And you're like, you know, so you feel like sometimes like, and you hear stories about these athletes being like, I wasn't 100%. I was fucked up. I dug deep. And it was PR performance. And you start being like, well, I know I'm good. I know I'm a world champion. Some of these guys have won multiple times, like in race situation. And it would be like, we'll be all right. If it if it's just willpower, I want it more than you know. Don't worry, we'll be all right. If everything I've heard and like I've never been through this before, but it's always worked out before. So I can I know what you mean where it's like um you can fall into that trap where you just think I just need to want it enough. Whereas I tell you what, gravity doesn't give a fuck how much you want anything. <laughs> gravity is like if you're going against an opponent if it's one-on-one basketball or like UFC we're talking about, maybe you could throw your willpower in there. Gravity is undefeated, my friend. A thousand pounds is a thousand pounds, no matter how much you want it. And it's just like, hey, you're 10 kilo lower in body weight and you're suffering. Not today. You know, it's, and exactly it's, yeah. what you exactly what you just said too. It was 
we all looked at each other and said, well, it's Ray Williams. He'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. It's literally yeah. what we said. It's yeah. Ray and, Williams. He'll be okay. Yeah. And it could be, yeah, it could be the culmination of all the years of, like, all the competitions he's won, all the spot records he's broken. No one thought he could do it. And so he, he thinks he's unstoppable. Oh, I did 490 at the Arnold, so 90% of that is no problem. I can do that. And if you go watch his squats, especially at that third squad, watch your fight. Probably no one wanted to will that up more than him. No. The amount he fought with that and tried to stand up with it, and it just wasn't there. Will was not an issue. And, and the thing is true. Like, yeah, I think Bill kind of said we all fought. Like, I was guilty of it too, man. I also was like, it's fucking Ray Williams. It's, it's Ray Williams. I don't care. Like, it, we all, like, we, I was like, it could be anyone else. All right. Ray, Ray <laughs> can do whatever the shit he wants. He's not a human. You know what I mean? It's it's it was just a little different, and he probably felt a little pressure as well. I think the biggest thing is no one gives a fuck about your opener. They care about where you finish, and that's kind of the biggest thing. Where it's like I opened with this. Who gives a fuck what you open? What you finish with? That's what you know what I mean. Like get beyond the ego in terms of that for like inexperienced lifters. That wasn't a Ray Williams situation, but um, moving on with some of these other lifters that might not. They might be. It might be like who gives a shit if you dropped your opener and get a secure one in there. We could jump bigger from your opener to second to third. It ain't that big. It's not that big a deal as long as we get where we need to go. Yeah, I mean, it, it's somewhat relevant. Um, doesn't matter what your opener is or what the original opener is because the thing we didn't know and probably most people didn't know uh, is that Jezza was injured and all the numbers they put in were not the real numbers. Yeah. And so they pulled all their numbers down and you go look at it after the fact and you're like, man, if Ray had dropped it 100 kilos, he would have won. Yeah, as long as Ray could have been okay. The thing is, I heard afterwards he was, like, dry heaving and puking, and I don't know if he would have been able to finish the day anyways, but I know what you mean where um, on that particular day when Ray was fucked up, Jezza happened to be fucked up too. I just think Jezza wasn't as fucked up. (laughs) Yeah, but that's part of of strategy is, like, a lot of these countries um, will put in fake openers, and so you might see these numbers like, oh, shit, I got to be aggressive in my attempts because of what they have. But all those could be fake, and you just completely change your game plan based on what you saw on the paper. Hey, you guys want to hear a story? The funny in Calgary, you guys were there um, talking about people putting in bullshit numbers. And this was this went viral, so you guys probably will remember when I bring it up. But this poor bastard from the Ivory Coast. Um, man, oh, okay, look, oh. everybody and their mother was like, was like, I remember talking, was that the 120s? Was it was it Eric oh, Willis? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I remember Eric Willis. That's the year Eric Willis won, and we were all like, "Fuck, we we hadn't had an open world champion at Canada." When I say we, and I was like, "Eric, don't worry, man. Some of these numbers got to be bullshit." And he's looking at those numbers for the openers. He's like, "Yeah, man, they better be bullshit." Because <laughs> I, he's, he's like, "What the hell?" So all eyes were focused on um, the gentleman from uh, Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast. And his name, I don't remember, but I don't think we need to fucking bring it up to shame him anyways. Maybe it's better we don't. But everyone remembers. So it was almost like they were bullshitting the... It was almost as though, because it was so out of reach. It was so out of reach, it was like ridiculous. It was almost like they were bullshitting it and forgot the change at the last minute. And it was almost like, yo, somebody's opening with 320. And he would be like, why, who the fuck is that guy? And then, oh, shit, that's me. And it was, <laughs> he went up there, and I shit you not, that bar cut through him like a knife through butter. He offered as minimal resistance. He damn near couldn't walk it out. 
Like that thing was like he dissented, and you know, you know, like coming out the pocket or just holding at the bottom for Pasqua. That shit cut through him like someone dropped the guillotine. It went right through his body, and the and the spotters are like, "My dude, what? What was that all about?" And I'll tell you the rest of the story. But tell me in the warm up room, is it true that he failed his last warm up leading up to his opener? So we actually weren't back in the warm up room. Ah, uh, so I was off that session. Um, so I was actually in, me and Aaron were sharing a room that year. So we're back in our room and we saw the, uh, the, the opening attempts come up on the computer before we walked over to the venue and we saw 355 or whatever the opening squat yes, was. Crazy. And we were I was like, bro, you need to hurry up. We need to get over there right now. Cause either something really good or really bad is about to happen. <laughs> oh God. But, um, oh. no, but legit though. I mean, so I did hear the same thing where he missed his opening, um, or his, uh, last warm up. But they missed the change in time, right? So they didn't get it in in time. Oh, but, if, but if you see, but if you see the kid's YouTube page, I don't know what kind of calibrated weights he has or what. But he was hitting damn close to like a 380 squats in his training, and it actually was legitimate. Like it looked pretty good. Whoa. But again, I don't know what kind of plates he had over there on Ivory Coast, that kind of stuff. But um, but and who knows how much he cut weight? But yeah, I saw yeah. The, the videos too. Um, and we were in the back room, but I did hear the same thing that he like lost his uh, last warm up and dumped the bar or something like that. But my dude, how uncalibrated are your plates when they're off by that much? <laughs> <laughs> I know you're trying well, to. It could also be the weight, the weight, the weight cut and the travel. There and all must that be stuff. something like that. Is <laughs> the craziest. The thing is, he offered zero resistance. Like, like I might as well have tried to walk. Like, be like, well, fuck it. He looked like someone from the crowd walked onto the platform and was like, <laughs> let's give this a go. And the craziest shit was, so this thing cut through... Fuck. I feel bad laughing, but if you guys remember the video, this shit cut through my man like butter, okay? And then, so there's like the spotters are like, holy shit, I guess we better be a little tighter on him next time. And I'm thinking, like, as a commentator, I'm like, I would be shocked if he comes out. That's unfortunate. Something's wrong, but he's, we probably won't see him again. And no shame. No shame. And for this, this guy came out the second time, same weight. And it's like, my friend, you gave this. This wasn't a fight. You didn't lay in a punch. Okay, this, this was, like, the, the game is over. This is, this, there's, there's nothing left. And the spotters are all looking at each other like, wow, fuck, we're going to earn our fucking slice of pizza today. Like, we're volunteers, <laughs> but take it easy. You know what I'm saying? We're volunteers, but take it easy. Um... So he walks it out again, and the walkout was crazy wobbly. And um, again, like, I mean, as soon as he gets the squat command, and he can barely get the squat command because he's so shaky. As soon as he gets the squat command, it's almost like the thing cuts through him just like a knife through butter again, and the spotters are real quick on him. And I swear, I'm like, there is no fucking way this guy's coming out for a third. There, there just can't be. This is insanity. And it's like... The closest analogy I can give, when, when when he was on the fuck, I feel bad laughing, but when he's on the side of the platform and he's about at that where you walk out and his coach is there, they like push him out like a punch drunk boxer <laughs> for the last round and it's You're like finishing this fight, get out there. Somebody <laughs> call the fight and the dude walking up to the bar would look like he was like a drunk trying to hail or hail an Uber or a cab. The dude looked like he was already out of it. And when he walked in, that was wobbly as shit. And he didn't even get the start command. He dropped. It was. It looked like he was unconscious, man. And they, the spotters grabbed him. And this time, he was straight up out. Like, he was out. He was out on the ground, unconscious. And then they were like, 
the fucking media team is like, uh, divert the camera because this is fucking bad. <laughs> um, so they turn the swing the camera around onto me in the booth, and I got the so I got the microphone. And I'm like, huh. <laughs> um, so I'm like, what, what do you say? This this dude might be dead on the platform right right in front of me, and they're literally trying to revive him. And I'm like, anyway, so stay tuned for more action. Bench press coming up in 20 minutes. Like they're like, give a shout out to the sponsors. Like this is the worst segue in the world for the sponsors. I'm like, I don't know what to say, man. It was it was the wildest. Was that one of the wildest shit you guys see? Yeah, I remember after the second attempt, he walks out for the third, and everyone in the crowd's like, no, 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 don't do it. Like, legit, like, it was the craziest thing. Like, people were like, don't lift, please. <laughs> so he walks out there, and I remember I literally just turned around, and I couldn't watch it. Because you knew something bad was going to happen. Yeah. You don't ever want to see that. Yeah. And it was just, I literally just turned around, and I was like, I can't watch this. I forget who, I think I might have been sitting with the Irish team or something like that. I was like, I can't watch this. I'm sorry. You know, what about, I mean, Ari, I mean, we were just, we've been joking about this for three years now, two years, whatever now. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, if you want to uh, talk about some crazy stuff, again, we weren't there, but looking at the live stream, it was 2017 Equip Worlds of Greg Johnson. Do you remember that, Bill? I think he missed his first attempt on depth. I don't remember. But his second attempt, he, like, set up, and then he had to rack it because he was like, losing his balance, and he sets up again. He's running out of time. They give him the squat command, and he just dies. He just falls. He passes out. What? <laughs> You can go watch the video, probably. It's still there. He just falls straight down. The bar goes over his head, hits him in the head. Bar hits the ground. He's knocked out, and he's <laughs> equipped. So he's in a squat suit, belt. Oh, no. The, Sweet the, coaching, the coaching staff comes up and carries him off the platform. <laughs> oh, shit. That does, that does and, not and, look good for and this is the second. And exactly, and this is the second attempt. And somehow they let him come back, and he comes back and Shut gets up. the third attempt squat. Shut up. He made it? He gets a third attempt squat. He stays in the meet, and I believe he got the like a silver medal or something no. like that in the deadlift. Shut up! In in that same meet, in that same session, was also when I, I believe Semenenko blew out his squat suit. Oh, that was he, the best. Dumped, yeah. he dumped the bar too. He put on like a deadlift suit and went up for the world record and got the world record. Oh wow! Yeah, so this is his second attempt. He blows his suit out, puts his deadlift suit on, goes back out. I think he put his deadlift suit on backwards actually. So goes out there and ups the weight for the world record and hits it and ends up winning the world championship. It's like, yeah. what the fuck? Here's the yeah. When you're in a squat suit and you're super, you're like all this tension in that squat suit, crazy weight on your back. When that thing blows up like, and like you hear the rip, you would be like for a second there, you'd be like, please don't tell me that's my fucking hamstring. Because you don't know. You don't know what the, what the fuck was I like. You almost like, I kind of hope that's my suit. I'm fucked either way, but at least I can come back out. Because you don't know what the shit that would be. I mean, thank God it's never happened to me with any of my equipment. So I'm just, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I mean, I know Joe Kapp has happened to a bunch of times with his bench shirt in competitions. I've seen Quentin Meyer, same thing. Um, in training, I don't think it happened to him in competition. But uh, that Inzer Bolt was like blowing up like crazy for those guys when it's over uh, your face too man i would be like you almost get gun shy after a while no when you get under the bar you'd be like oh shit this is a different ball game. At, at least with at least with bench like hopefully you have like good spars right in there and then you have the safety set up to protect your face and like for equipped lifters a lot of them have to be a little bit crazy to get in the shirt and do those weights anyway so they're probably want to go a little go back into it but i feel like the squat like there's no safeties Sometimes the spires can catch or not. Like, if you blow in the very bottom, it's, like, the worst position. You're, you must be thinking, like, yo, I, I hope I don't, like, break my back or something. Yeah. Like, 
It's wild that he literally got K the fuck out. Like, that's not really... People like, powerlifting is not a contact sport. Like, there's other sports. No, no, you can get CTE at the end of this. <laughs> 400 kilo over the back of the head. Damn. There's What's well, like, um, which, uh, Eddie Berglund. I was talking to um, their coach. Remember, he bombed out in uh, Sweden yeah. in the bench press. And I was talking to Oscar's coach. And he basically said that he holds his breath the whole time and he does that crazy arch, right? He's got the world record 220-something um, in the 66 kilo. And uh, you know, he holds his breath the whole time that he actually passes out, like, more than half the time while he's bench pressing. Like, he'll finish it and then just kind of conk out and wake up and they pull him off the platform kind of deal. <laughs> and it just happened to be- it just happened. He passed out three times in that meet and bombed out. Like what the shit? What? Yeah, what? What? You it, gotta fix I believe that the meet before that. I don't know if it was like bench row or something like that, where he broke the record. You can see him like break the record and get off the bench, and then he's like falling into the backdrop while he's trying to look at the lights to see if he got a good lift or not because he's passing out. Damn. Yeah, watch some videos. He looks like a, like a fighter in like Mike Tyson's punch out or something. We're just like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, like, all over the place. When they stumble six times before they hit the canvas. Thing is, the tough thing is, is like, if you're trying to tell him to fix it up, and he's like, look it, I get it. When I miss, I miss. But when I hit, goddamn, do I hit? Like, these are world records and everybody, like, he's a bench god. Like, he's, he might be pound, is he pound for pound, you think, the best bencher? At 66 kilo, he's damn near 500 pounds. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got like over a thousand IPF points. He's probably the top person. Yeah, I don't know what Kadoma is, uh, but I think he's only like five kilos more than him at 74, and, and Eddie's at 66. So um, it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Let's let's look it up. Okay, we got Eddie Berglund at 1075 as the highest uh, the highest male, and of course so, the highest female, Jennifer Thompson, 11 eleven thirteen. <laughs> All right, so here's my proposal, okay? We got the IPF points, we got the Wilkes, okay. <laughs> oh, here we listen, go. I got the McCarthy formula, oh, okay? Shit. This is, listen, this is the surefire way to find out the best lifter that everybody wants to see. Okay. It's your total total in kilograms times your Instagram followers. Boom, there you go. <laughs> Russell Lord, he's like, oh, fuck you. Yeah. Russell Lord, he's like, let's, let's do right. this. No shit. Hey, man, I'm down. Let's see. Yeah, so you got like someone no. like Dana Lynn Bailey would just dominate the Federation. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. You know what I mean? Like, Meg, Meg, Meg squats. Yeah. yeah. You got all these big right. Instagram people coming over. Doesn't matter what they total. They got a couple, you know, million followers, whatever. Okay, fine. You, you know, no big deal. If you want to go to a, a more serious formula here, you can go off of Spence Point, which is our buddy P from SBD, which is basically a percentage of the world record. I like that idea. It's so basically, how close are you to your world record in your weight class? Is how man? I had dots on here. What do you guys feel about dots? I'm a man today <laughs> on here talking. About so okay, legit. Who cares about points? Seriously, <laughs> it affects three lifters yeah. in every competition, right? You have your first, second, third place, and that's it. Who cares about points? Just look at your weight class, find out where you rank, and there you go. Why do I need to know how I compare as a 120 or 120 plus to Arian as a 93? Why? 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 What's the point? The, so I can say, oh, yeah, I'm better than my buddy. I'm better than this buddy. Yeah, who cares? Seriously. The, the, tough, the tough jam is. Convince me otherwise. Convince me. <laughs> well, here's, here's, here's one thing. Do you really think, do you care the difference between Conor McGregor and Daniel Cormier? 
No, me personally, right, no. Exactly, exactly. Right, so why am I trying to you know, say Charles Apoco is better than me because I'm a 120, he's a 60, so whatever, who cares? So how do you propose we set up the SPD we Invitational? We don't, we don't. The SPD we Invitational. Don't. We don't. We, we don't, got the SPD Invitational because that's dope, I know. So, I like showing so, so let's just do something where it says you break world records, you win money, something like that. It doesn't have to be an overall winner. How about this? I think I think SPD is going away from that anyway, so they're trying to transition away from that. Hopefully, we can make this uh, public information um, or rumors is that they're putting less emphasis on IPF points and more emphasis on on total or yeah, winning. I mean, yeah, it's it's free flowing. We know it's, there's nothing official for the next SPD invitation. It's a year away, and they don't even know how they're going to set it up. True, um, but yeah, it's it's. It's liquid. It's free-flowing. They're coming up with ideas, and they, they admit that much. So we'll see. What I do, we ran a poll one time. Oh, no, Jennifer Milken ran a poll. And um, it was, what would you rather see, records broken or showdowns? Everybody said showdowns. But I am with you, Bill, in that a showdown doesn't feel the same if I'm breaking out a fucking calculator, right? Like, if I watch two guys go head-to-head on hoops, shooting hoops... I don't need a calculator. I just can see the score. You dunk. You score. You bang, bang, bang. That's the action. So I do think it can't just be an exhibition where it's... Because here it is. In the untested division, I get a lot of people saying, why don't you do big preview shows for some of these big untested meets? And I'm like, I watch them and I repost the results. But going into it, it's usually one dude pushing the shit in of everybody else. And there's not really a showdown to be talked to. You know, and, and it's not competition, depth of competition. And when you're talking sports, you really do need depth of competition. Now, in the untested, they do have it sometimes, like big dogs, obviously. Steffi Cohen and Maria, um, or Mariana was amazing. And, and it happens, but it's, it's fewer than, let's say, the IPF Worlds where you're guaranteed some absolute battles. U.S. Raw Nationals guaranteed some battles. So when thinking about this SPD Invitational or any competition like that, if you want to... Trim it down to all stars, but still have battles. I do agree with you, though. I don't know if the formula's the route to go. Because it's, and, and visually, it's, it's, I don't know if visually it makes the same for me. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, and that, that's what we discussed before with the, the Grand Prix at the Arnold. It's like, would you rather see, like, the top person from each weight class and then do it by IPO points? Or would you rather see them pick a bunch of people from the same or similar weight class and see them battle it out? And, and a lot of people have liked it when they've taken people from the same weight class and see them go head-to-head in a showdown. Rather than, yeah, like, you can't bust out your calculator and figure out the points at the Arnold Sports Festival when they don't even know anything about powerlifting. They're just, like, watching some people lift. I think the plan for, for the SPD, now, I'll, I'll say, they had some showdowns going down. Like, obviously, the rivalry between Kim and Anna is pretty deep. Russ and, Russ and Brett, pretty deep. And the others, and then Amanda and... and uh, Amanda Lawrence and Danielle Mello. So they had showdowns, obviously, right? They knew that. But then they also wanted to represent the world, the other world champions. And then they're like, we can't have nothing. It'll get too big. So it's tough. I understand where they're coming from. Um, so we were going to maximize whatever we had. I think it, it might be some kind of a balance where you're telling yourself, what are the biggest showdowns if we could have? And then sprinkling some other people in there. They don't have a showdown in their weight class. You, you want to bring number two in the weight class? Guess what? They're a fucking mile behind them. On the flip side, they earn the right because they're a world champion. Are you going to not let someone who's a world champion go, but take someone who's number two because in that weight class he's closer to number one? It becomes it's fuck, man. It's a tough. It is tough, isn't it? I, 
I mean, it's invitational. You can invite whoever the fuck you want. Right, but I do. They are working with the IPF, and they're trying to like make it, you know, global. They have, there's other interests involved. You know, it's easy for us, man. Look, if we were just doing the fucking <laughs> invitational, you know, if it was the KOTL invitational, it'd be nothing but seventy four kilo boys. You know that. You know that. Hey, if anyone, <laughs> wants, if, if anyone wants to come to my house, we can do the air invitational. Right. I got a drug test. I got a scale. Yes. I got an ER rack. I got a bar. I got weights. You are not drug piano. It gets some intro, intro I got, music there. Yeah, good. I have two, I have two benches. I got that bench so, and I got that bench. Arian, the shit got creepy when your bed is in the shot of it, okay? Nobody's he lives, he lives in the gym, bro. He no, lives at the gym. Have you seen him? Come when, on. When you're inviting people over and your fucking bed is there, it's like, okay. This is getting weird. This is. Is there anyone else coming here, or is it just myself? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to keep that weird ten people. I think so. Yeah. All right. All right. With the SBD Invitational, like, listen, you're putting the money out. You're running the meet. Invite whoever you want. That's why I didn't like when they put like the stipulations, like, okay, we're going to invite every world champion or you know somebody from each region, whatever. Like, just invite who you want to invite. Like, it's your money, man. Just go for it. Um, I, I think. I think- I was just going to jump in that I think if you're going to do any kind of meet that has like IPF points as a factor in it, it would be nice either on the live stream or at the meet itself to have a screen that shows the rankings live. After every single attempt, it shows the person IPF points and, and what everyone else needs to beat that person. So everyone can keep track of it instantly when they're watching at home or in person. So we got to talk to an announcer cool. man over here, and he's the one who's got to handle all that. Well, they were they, the setup was going to be just like on the forecast, just like you said. It was going to show the attempts and then an automatic calculator in there for everyone. And then while you're saying, okay, if they get this, they'll end up with these points if they get that. So it would have been like that um, for what it's worth. It, it's not quite the same as a direct poundage, and you're all working with the same poundage because you're in the same weight class. It's not quite the same as that. But, I mean, look at there's this is this was year one and year one didn't happen so next year but year one but who knows what this thing morphs into I do like the concept of showdowns and not having a thousand people at this competition and just bringing the big guns and God in ten years we don't know what the hell this thing's gonna be what do you let me, let me ask you this you guys what do you guys think now I know some of the strides they've been making to get this bad boy in the Olympics. And we just made it on the Olympic Channel. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> here we go. All right. What is it, Bill? What do you think? No way. Uh, that's, no, never. No, never. What do you think, Aaron? So, so I heard I heard your podcast with uh, Joey Flex and you guys talking about this and stuff like that. And anyone who's been around, like Bill, or anyone's been around thirty or forty years, they've been saying the same 30 or thing. Forty years. What the fuck? <laughs> I said. I said. <laughs> I said Bill or anyone who's been around. You gotta pronounce that or better because I thought so. I was like, Bill's like, kiss the fuck. All right, right. anyone who's been around 15 and more years. Okay, there we go. They've been saying the same thing every single decade. Oh, we're this close to making the Olympics. We're this close to making the Olympics. And the part that a lot of like beginner people don't understand is all the politics involved. It doesn't matter if you have the money and if we have the countries, we're building up the viewership and everything like that. There's still the politics behind it where they want certain sports in. They don't want certain sports in. We already have a barbell sport. They're trying to fight PEDs. So they're going to these like less uh, strength and physically active sports and stuff like that. Um, so there's that involved. Um, so people that think like, oh man, we're gonna get there eventually if we get to this many members. Like, there's there's still that politics that may keep us out forever. End of the day, though, 
usually money talks. And if if you're big enough in terms of viewership and they think they can make money off you, usually money talks. Usually money will supersede almost everything. So if you well, 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 we'll see how long it takes because like in USAPO we're getting whatever five thousand dollar sponsors, ten thousand yeah, dollar sponsors. Yeah. And I in the IPF maybe we're getting two hundred and fifty thousand over the course of four years. USA Weightlifting is getting million dollar sponsors. They're like on a whole magnitude above us already. Well, why, but they're getting those sponsors not because they have more lifters or more people watching their world because there isn't. They're getting because they're in the Olympics. So if the Olympics, yeah, they're, they're the first ones. So if the Olympics tells themselves, like, if you would swap it, would you make more money with power? Well, let's say they just do. Let's fuck it. Let's say this happens. They took out Olympic lifting. They put in powerlifting. They're like, let's see if we make more money with powerlifting. I think. With the amount of people in different gyms, etc., the more people are squatting, benching, deadlifting, etc. And I, I honestly believe with with as little love as we get from mainstream sponsors or anything, media, we are so healthy a sport considering other fringe sports. If you made us an Olympic sport, I think we would do far better than Olympic lifting. That's my belief. Do you guys think that's fair? And not year one. Give us 10 years of Olympic cut. Like 10 years is only two Olympics, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Give us that, so CB, so whatever, all the big networks and shit are now profiling our athletes. You know, the Ray Williams, Taylor Atwoods, uh, Jessica Bittners are being on their shows. And let's see what happens. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think you might actually get a increase from the very first one. And, and maybe the first few Olympics, you get a huge spike up because of, like, the, the rush of people. Like, everyone's so excited. There's a new sport. Oh, shit, power thing is in there. All the untested people, a bunch of them might try and switch over now to tested to get in there. So you get more members that way. So you might actually have like an initial spike up and then it would slowly kind of like level off as like most sports that have been around for a long time. I think the real question is, do we become Olympic lifting then if that happens? And what do you call Olympic lifting? That's Olympic <laughs> right? lifting, right? That, where they, right, because <laughs> they now we're in the Olympics, they're not. I mean, so come on. I mean, what are we going to call ourselves? Oh, so they're, they're Olympic weightlifting, so we can be <laughs> powerlifting. I got it, I got it. No music and um, a library, and you can only golf up. So I really feel like this is just a waste of time, so we should move on to something else because it's never happening. So Okay, <laughs> hang on one sec. I'm just putting this live again. Bam, okay. We just did hours, so I had to re- reset the uh, live on Instagram. All right, sounds how good. Many, how many people do we have? Fucking 20,000, bro. <laughs> 20,000, bro. I'm not reading the comments. Uh, sorry, buddy. It's hard, man. I got so many goddamn streams and shit going on right now. But uh, it is what it is. What are hey, you- I, have quite, I have a question for you, Ryan. So yeah. Someone asked me today, what is your obsession with the 83-kilo world champion? Say his name, bro. Say his name. <laughs> You know, USA is a tequila lifter. Come on. Say his name. Say his Russell name. Russell or he. Russell. Look, at, here's, here it is. This is what I think. Like, so, people, so seriously, the, the main question I got, there was two main ones. Yeah. The first one was, why is he every third repost on King Well, so, so he actually, he isn't every third. Because I'll post. Okay, so every second then. Fine, we will. <laughs> <whatever. laughs> I mean. But. Well, listen, my man is, well, first off, he is a world champion. His talent can't be. For can't, sure. Can't so, be. Is Brett, so is Brett Gibbs. Yeah. I don't see him yeah, there yeah. as much. Well, well, he is in the current world champion. There's only one. That's true. So, That's very so true. Russell, and not only that, the guy's fucking, in terms of like a poster boy, the guy's bodied up, got a million dollar smile, amazing in interviews, carries himself like he's, he's so, 
not just social media swabby, he's he's straight up media swabby. If you have him on a podcast, you got no issues about filling 60, 90 minutes with sound bites. Um, he'll give it to you there. And then he'll also hop off, hit a fucking photo shoot, look like a million bucks, get a million oh. shares for you. And then on top of that, the dude the hits, in terms of the weights when he hits them, even when he hits them and he's doing it, he knows, he's doing it shirtless. He's flashing that smile after he hits it. And then he's got the belt unclasped and everything. And you're guaranteed likes, views, shares, the whole nine. He's marketing himself beautifully. If you're gonna, if you're gonna hit your wagon onto a horse, that's a fucking horse you wanna hit your wagon onto, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that's Fair for enough. sure. No, I haven't said that. What are you gonna say, Darius? Fair enough. Well, I was just gonna piggyback off of Bill's question, ask you, so when are you changing the King of the Lifts? Um, podcast icon from Ray Williams to Russ Wall. He's got to win five, brother. He's got to win five. Ray's got five in the bank. That's hard. That's hard to beat. And Ray's not done neither. I mean, whenever the shit we get back on track. Um, how old is Ray? It had 31? Be- 31? That's, that's, it's got plenty more time. And, and uh, for heavyweights too. Well, actually, fuck, I don't know. Maybe heavyweights age, if you're 400 pound man, you probably age a little quicker than actually, right? What do you guys think? What's well, this lifespan of a heavyweight? Yeah. Yeah, you look at a guy like Fedosienko who's been doing this for longer than I've been around. Yeah. Right? I mean, he's – I believe he's won every every classic championship. Yeah. Unless he didn't show up to one of them somewhere. Um, so, obviously, the smaller guys – I mean, you know, it's just regular life, right? I mean, the yeah. bigger guys are going to age faster and harder than the, the smaller guys, for sure. Crazy like, that's why I mean, like, no one thinks you're 40-something years old. Come on, you look like you're 25, bro. <laughs> Come on. This is Beautiful. you get back. Hey, I appreciate Beautiful. it. I'll take it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, man. Um, Oleg, also Oleg, uh, 74 kilo, just oh. lost in Jaroslav, and he fucking, he's like 45-ish, jacked as shit, and he's, yeah. how many times in a row? You, like 19, 20? 19, I believe, 19 yeah. times in a row, he won the world championships. Talk about like a run of terror, but you're right. Walking around, a human being walking around at that body size is probably a lot easier to carry. Walking around at 400 pounds, just period, without moving weights, it's going to be difficult. Well, look at the, look at the retired strongmen, yeah. right? They're all cutting weight after they're done, right? They're just yeah. NFL players, same thing. The offensive linemen, you know, pretty much if they want to live a longer life, they, you know, they play at 350, they, you know, retire, they're, three, they're 275 within two years. You know, they got to cut the weight. Eddie Hall, same thing. Terry Hollins, he cut down, um, that kind of stuff. You know, you see those guys. Um, you don't see very many 60-year-old, 400-pound men yeah. walking around the planet. That's true, man. Right? Yeah, and I never actually thought about that as a variable, but I always thought, like, the super heavyweight class is very volatile, kind of like like even UFC. In the UFC, you never know who's going to win. In Palatine, you never know who's going to win. You had, like, Brian Siders. And he disappears after a few years. You have Brad Gillingham for a long time, but he kind of fell off the top for a while. Um, you got you have Blaine Allen equipped and, and Ray on the on the raw, but we'll see how long they last. So that's interesting. I never thought about it. It could be the body weight, but if you look at Ray too, um, he doesn't tell us all the details of his life. But since 2014 Worlds, his body weight has gone up from like 160 to 190, and then now it's gone back down. So we'll see if he stays down, and maybe that's a factor. I mean, like, look at, I mean, Canada, obviously, with Kelly Branton, um, you know, he was struggling to keep the body weight on to try to compete with the with you know, likes of Ray and Jezza and that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? 
Um, and he was seeing publicly was out there saying like, I, you know, this is really, really hard on my body. And, you know, I've met Kelly a bunch of times and obviously I'm sure you know him pretty well, but like, you know, he was, it was hard on his life yeah. for sure to, to be 350 plus pounds. You know what yeah. I mean? He was, he's a naturally, a you know, 265 pound dude, you know? So to carry that extra hundred pounds of body weight had to be hell on him for sure. You're just for this sport. Yeah, you, you, for it, sure. It's almost like too. You almost want to get in, get out. What are you looking for, young man? Do you want to squat a thousand pounds? Do you want to? I think I had Kelly on the podcast, but this is going back a couple of years. And I remember asking him. I thought the answer I was going to get because he had hit a couple of milestones. He benched six hundred in his first Canadian period to bench six hundred. He hit a couple other milestones. He hit like obviously a thousand uh, kilo total. And I was like, Are you looking to squat a thousand pounds and then you check it out? Because I know like health wise is very diff- very tough on him. I think Ray might have a naturally bigger frame than Kelly, but um, but Ray's also gained a lot of size as well. You you force feed yourself to make it, and um, he was like, eh, we'll see. No, maybe maybe not. And that's where it was like, I wonder how difficult it is. Like I think you might tell yourself initially, when I squat a thousand pounds, I'm good. All right, I won five, I'm good, or whatever it is. But walking away from being like potentially, what are you, the world's strongest man? Are you strongest powerlifter? Anyways, what, how do you how do you just hang that up and be like, yeah, I'll go back to normal. Talk to Eddie Hall. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he's not normal. He's still an enormous human being. Right. But he was like, "Fuck it, I'm done, bro." You know, I had my day. I had my time in the sun, and I'm done. You know, he's cutting the body weight down. He's shredded up a little bit. I mean, he's still probably 140 kilos for God's sakes, but he's not 200 anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, even aside from uh, even aside from the competing and winning the championships, I mean, Daniel Cormier has talked about how he wanted to retire at 40, and we'll, we'll see if he does one more if he hangs it up. But aside from hanging it up, is like for powerlifters now you could do the complete opposite. You got to eat whatever the hell you wanted and do these one rep maxes, and now you have to possibly go to like restricting your food, eating healthier, and doing a bunch of cardio to lose 100, 150 pounds to get back to like the healthy range. That's, that's a lot of fucking work, and you got to be like, ah, I'll put it off for another year. I'll win another world championship. It would be difficult. Like, look, if you – I can only imagine laying down at night, put your head on your pillow and be like, I might be the strongest motherfucker. Why? Seven billion people walking this earth? It could be me. That's, that's, that's insane to wrap your head around. For us, it's like, yeah, he's the strongest man. But for real, I remember being commentating and being like, we're about to watch the world's strongest man do his thing and Ray was about to squat and like Eddie Hall when he won the world's strongest man said look it dimes dollars you ask me Ray's right up there I can't squat what he squats and I know what I'm doing to do what I gotta do Ray is that talented that he doesn't have to when he's squatting you know a thousand pounds or whatever the hell so when you are that talented we're like the world's strongest man is saying, look at fucking I can't do what Ray does this guy's the greatest in terms of the, the three lifts that's it that there's Ray how fucking tough is it to be like like that's where you're saying bye to it's almost like Superman takes his fucking cape off folds it up and be like I'm good that's really difficult and he won't be Eddie dropped down body weight but he's on a lot of stuff he's on a lot of gear and he's open about it so he's gonna ha- he's still huge but um Ray Ray's natty he gets up he, he drops his body weight you know he isn't gonna be he's not gonna be like Eddie is now or Eddie's still like crazy like a bull like he'll be better than 95 percent of the world or whatever the shit but it's gotta be a total lifestyle change and a huge kick in the junk to the ego i don't know how you go from one to the other man it's such a dra- it's more drastic this way if 
Taylor Atwood, Russell, whatever the shit. They stop weightlifting. They're going to look pretty powerlifting. They're going to look close to the same. And it's not that crazy. Ray's going to go through a major transformation physically and mentally. And I, myself, if I was in his shoes, would be like, fuck me. I'm giving up a lot to walk away. That's why it's unique. So let me throw this out there. I know Arian's not married. Ryan, you married? No, sir. No. So my wife and my kids, right? When that happened, when my, especially when my kids were born for the most part, my my drive for like, hey, let me you know get as big and strong and all, all that shit as possible kind of subsided because I have this new love of my life kind of deal. You know what I mean? Like your life has a new meaning now. So like, whereas you guys might be at the point where you're like, you know, I just want to get as strong as possible and this is my, my ultimate goal. I'm never going to get there. I, I, I realize that now. So now like, a, you know, a healthier lifestyle and that kind of stuff is a more legitimate thing. And it's a more real thing because of, you know, what else I have going on family-wise kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. But but of course, like when I was playing, you know, football and, you know, all that stuff. And when I first started out powerlifting, I was like, well, fuck yeah, let's go. I want to squat a thousand pounds. I want to do this. I want to do that. Whatever. Yeah. Give me whatever I can do kind of thing. Um, you know, eating, you know, ridiculous amounts of food, that kind of stuff for sure. But now you're just kind of like, okay, I have this family. I have other people that depend on me. It's a different mindset for yeah. sure. Obviously, I know, you know, Ray has a newborn at home. I know he's got a couple other kids at home too, you know, new wife, that kind of stuff. So I'm not saying that's, you know, you know, what's the determining factor there, but I know that like, that's a, a big part of my story, at least for sure. Yeah, you're right. It would have to, like, for sure, it's got to rain on your mind that you are no longer living for yourself anyways. Whether or not that, whether or not you have to do some major changes in your life or you, for sure, it's undeniable, you are not just looking out for yourself anymore. Of course. You have a, right. you have a little human being that depends on you. And if the doctor tells you, uh, my man, if you're 400 pounds, you got all these records. I mean, fuck. I, if you if Ray loses, that's one thing. But try beating his legacy and winning five. Then you're at Ray's level. You're not at Ray's level if you beat him once on the way out. You got to do what he did. Good luck. Especially in his weight class. So he could at any point be like, I'm good. It doesn't look like he's good right now. But yeah, it's true that... These are factors, man. Even like, look, Taylor Atwood was on here, and he's like, "Look, I'm getting to the point where uh, my career is picking up, and it's like, fucking, you gotta start to make these choices." Well, we don't pay. That's the problem with our sport. You can't fucking. This is your side piece. This is your side piece. This doesn't provide. If this was providing for Ray's family, if this was providing for Taylor Atwood, they could be our greatest athletes. Could be like, "Yeah, fuck it, let's roll." I'm actually providing for the fam. This makes sense, but because it. <laughs> This is a side piece hobby sport. It's like, it doesn't make sense, does it? We think about it after a while. So now yeah, it's I mean, possible if we're in the Olympics, it could be a government subsidized thing. Yeah. Could yeah. be a different story. So, so like, obviously, you know, China, you know, Russia, the countries like that, like Sweden, I know that, you know, their stuff is kind of covered. Um, so like, it's a different story over there. Um, so maybe that's something that could bring more money into the sport that way. Um, but again, that's only if you're still winning. Yeah. Yeah. Once you're not winning... Like yeah, even with the Olympics or let's say let's say SPDs paying for all of Ray's expenses and paying a bunch of prize money and is covering his mortgage and all this stuff like that, that only lasts for as long as you're winning or maybe even if you're not winning, as long as you're competitive. If you're in the Olympics and then you retire, all that's gone. Now you got to figure out what to do next. Well, so on, but, either, but, you have to be a coach or a manager or switch to some other job. However, so Reza, Reza Zadeh from Iran, 
there were other nations who were like, um, leave Iran and come to our nation. And he was getting offers of like, fuck, millions, millions. Now, now this is, he, I, I, this is unique because he's a super heavyweight. So you have the heavyweight champion of the world, right? I don't know if the other weight classes are going to get offers like that. And Razazadeh was like Ray in that he was such a fucking dominant force in this sport. But let's say Ray was like that in the Olympics where he was such a dominant force. You could see, like I'm not saying other nations are going to be poaching his ass, but if he could actually get some sponsorship and shit, you could have a, a career that's four years and you might be set. You might be all right. You might be on the cover of Wheaties. You might belt off a couple uh, Reebok commercials. And, <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're like, I'm, I'm deucing. Um, <laughs> but uh, you hear stories of that with the Olympic lifting. That's what kills me is like, you hear stories of some of these Olympic lifters with some of the money they made some of these nations that really backed them. And listen, he didn't leave Iran. So what was the money? What was the deal he got there? He's probably dead I, I wonder how much that country was like thinking they'd make or lose off. Let's say they give them a million dollars and they get like two Olympics out of them. Then like, like how much profit are they getting off of having him for two Olympics? What if you, or or just let Olympics every four years, this dude shows up for Olympics and you got him when he was lame. And you're like, ah, shit, that was 10 mil. (laughs) I guess that's sports in general, right? But. Yeah, yeah. But I've also seen show, like documentaries and stuff about Olympic lifters or Olympic Olympians in general going bankrupt trying to get themselves to the Olympics. Yeah. In the U.S. because there's no support. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, Sarah Robles, the um, the heavyweight uh, female Olympic lifter. You know, same thing. She's something like she lost her job and she like defunct on something. It was something like that where she basically ended up going bankrupt just to get herself to one of the Olympic games and she ended up winning the bronze medal or something like that. But. Um, so, I mean, it's just, it's back and forth, right? If there's no sponsors, there's no money, there's no prize money, yeah. you know, then the sports are going to not attract the best players. That's why all the best athletes go to, you know, football, baseball, basketball, soccer, and hockey. Yeah. It's just flat out easy, right? I mean, you tell me there's some NFL players that couldn't be putting up some ridiculous numbers in powerlifting. Of course they can. But guess what? They're making $2 million a year playing football. So why the fuck would they come out here? They do powerlifting to train for their sport to make money. It is. And we do it for fun. We do it for fuck. We've well, seen some of those college kids that like put up like a 600 pound squat like oh, yeah, in the gym, sure. and then and and at least in the U.S. I don't know about in Canada or these other countries. In the U.S., a lot of our top male powerlifters all came from a football background. Yeah. Whether it's Ray Williams, Blaine Sumner has the unofficial like NFL Combine bench press record. Taylor Atwood did semi-pro yeah. um, football. So all these guys came from these actual sports. So imagine if then we got like. LeBron James and we got like Ray Ray Lewis and all these guys. It'd be wild, man. Um, look, <laughs> if, if you want to talk about how freaky some people are out there, um, talking about uh, talk about hockey, please. No, man, I am not talking about hockey. No, the dude who just passed away from Iran. It it, it, it reminded me we were talking about oh the Paralympic venture. Yes. Yeah. Do you guys name remember Iran? his name? Rockman. Um, I think it's Rockman's his last name. Yeah, and he, with no use of his legs, so he can't, let alone leg drive, he can't even base out, can't even get a proper arch, can't, none of that shit. He's just laying down in just chest and arms. What was he, 310 kilo, 311 kilo? It was an absolutely insane with just upper body. He couldn't even base out and shit. Like, when you have your legs planted and you're firm, it's, I couldn't even imagine it. And this is, imagine he, he, imagine he had legs. Imagine he had full use. That's the type of freaks that are walking around. I mean, the internet trolls can't even hate on him because there's no arch, right? I mean, come on. Like, it's just a flat back bench. You didn't hear a peep when I posted that. There was <laughs> nothing. Man. You didn't hear a peep. No. There no. was nothing but not only, is 
not only is he a flat back bench, I don't know all the rules of their sport, but they have somewhat like the strictest calling. Like the bar can't go like even like in Canon for us. Um, and a lot of times they have to like unrack the they have to unrack the weight by themselves. They have no lift off, and these guys are still putting up those ridiculous numbers. Don't, don't, don't they use an Olympic like they use an Olympic bar and uh, and bumper plates, right? So it's like super yeah. bending. Yeah, it's crazy. So there's no knurling on the bar. It's not a power bar. It's an Olympic bar. <laughs> Dude, these dudes make it hard as possible for this man. He's like, dog, I don't got legs, asshole. What are we doing here? <laughs> sometimes they're, sometimes the competitions will come up on like Facebook Live and I'll click on it. And you'll see a red light and you have no idea what it's for because they're just like so strict with the rules. Like, he's like, he's like, perfect. He's like, I'll tell you what, I didn't care for the part of his hair. Fuck him. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Call me hair before you come on in. Call me hair, don't care. Yeah, it was wild. No, but he was, he was and that dude himself... Um, he had like a fucking statue of himself in Iran, and they was he was mad popular. I remember messaging him, um, or no, I reposted. He messaged me or whatever, and talking to him briefly. His English wasn't amazing, but super fucking humble guy, super nice guy. So it's gutted when a dude like that passes because it's he's like a dude that, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but it's true. If he could do that, who the fuck? There could be no excuses. There's no cap. You know what I mean in terms of who's walk? Who the hell is walking around out there? If this dude with no legs is... That's a really a bad... Mm. Ah, shit! That was, that was not intended! That was not intended! Of course Bill doesn't skip a beat. It is on me if I fumble the ball he like that. He is rolling around out there. That's the football. I fumbled that ball and... Damn! Right there, man. I was lined out. He got me. But, uh, but yeah. I mean, well, well it's true. We, we may never have a full pick of the litter. We don't got, like, the Brock Lesnar of, of the world coming in here and, and competing. Who do you think is probably looking at, if you're looking at the cast we do have, who do you think is probably the freakiest individual that you're like, that is like a fucking A-level freak who could probably excel at whatever they wanted to do, and they are so far ahead. Uh, Let me say my pick, and you guys let me know if you agree. I think Jessica Bittner is a fucking freak. Shocker. Dude, she, no, no, hey, listen. She is, she is, you guys, you guys seen her in real life. Yeah, of course. People, when they were, when she was walking around in the warm-up room, um, were like, holy shit, you think Jessica Bittner is like, it's like, it's like nothing you see, man. She's, you think, like there's, you see jacked people walking around and athletic people, and then if she was to walk around, um, whatever the shit, she would have to be like, um, if, if you could just see her muscularity and you'd be like, she's an, she's exactly what you think an A-level athlete would be. If I told you she's the fastest woman in the world, strongest woman in the world, you'd believe me. You'd be like, yeah. yeah she looks I, like a sprinter for sure. Yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, I fucking guess. And you think you're athletic until you meet someone like that. Look at somebody who was like on the at the Worlds and is a world-class lifter. I was like, yo, fuck, did you see Jessica Bennett? This is another girl. And she was like, are you kidding me, man? I got a picture taken with her. Felt like a fat piece of shit. <laughs> and this girl is like jacked herself and world class herself. This one of those humble where you think you're good until you meet a Jessica Bender walking around. And you're like, oh, well, I guess I'm, I'm a piece of shit then. Because there's someone like that walking around. And all of a sudden you start realizing where we're at right now and what the potentially we could be, let's say, if it was just fucking we ended up in the Olympics, could be like what we think right now with 83 kilo boys hitting a 700 pound, 318 kilo squat. Oh my God. That's how much more could we possibly get? 
well, fuck, man. Then you start really blowing it up when you see a guy with no legs benching when he's benching and people like Jessica Pittner walking around. Who's someone that you think we have that makes you, when you met them in real life and you're like, yeah, this is, this is, we're playing at a different level right now. Like you, you're at a different level. And by the way, Jessica Bittner, we'll talk about her performance with 565. Holy shit, as a 72 kilo, 565, that's 20 kilo over the world record. What are we talking about here, gentlemen? Oh, is she Canadian? She might be. Oh, really? <laughs> she might be. Is that no, but, is that the human forklift? <laughs> but, but but honestly, who who can before before okay you know before we go on and you tell me who's who's your pick for like oh my god the next level can anybody beat Jessica Bittner right now she just like playing with house money. I so mean, here's, Ryan, here's or, what I feel. Yeah, here's what I feel about Ryan. Whoever the hot person is at the moment is like the unbeatable person, right? Yeah, listen, now listen, she put up 20 kilos more than anyone else has ever has in that weight class. I totally get that's that. Crazy. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. Yeah. She did that at a home meet. She did not do that in Belarus, okay? So right. her traveling, having problems with possible saunas, this, that, the other thing over there, the cutting of the weight, all that stuff, kind of levels the playing field a little bit, okay? Right. But how much... Now, listen, listen, she is for sure the favorite going in, in my mind, at least. Yeah, yeah. But there's no there's no chance that she is a hundred percent gonna win. No, I mean, no, no, no. There's at least five women that can win that, if not six. But yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Aaron. Go ahead. Yeah, you go. No, I was just gonna say I was trying I was trying to ask Ryan this question earlier in discussion, but I'll ask it now because he mentioned Eric Willis is the first Canadian Open champion, correct? In the classic. In the, in the classic. classic. And second was Maria T, correct? Correct. Yes. Yeah. I want you here on King of the List podcast to declare who is going to be the third Canadian Classic Open mm-hmm. champion ever. Mm-hmm. You're swinging swing those, turn the tables on me, aren't you? It doesn't, it, doesn't have, it doesn't have to be this year. Just going forward, who's going to be the next person? Who's got next? Um, well, I'll tell you straight up. I think, so obviously, like I said, Jessica Binner, you know I'm all over Jessica right now, but... <laughs> But, so she she wins at seventy two or eighty four. I think she'll stay seventy two. Okay. But um, like look at when I will say straight. Let me. Uh, there's I got I got a couple pieces I want to add to this. Bring it. First off, so Angelina um, from Russia is a fucking phenom. In her five forty three and a half or whatever it was uh, at the European Championship for her to win. It moves smooth. She did what she had to do to win. It shipped the world record, but she had a lot more than 10. So I don't think her cap is 543. It's probably into the, at that time, it was probably in the 550s. That was in the end of 2019. Yeah, you know what? She's probably closer to Jessica right now. So I'm like, I'm not saying Jessica's blowing people out the water. She's a danger. I think she's, and she's also young. And in terms of her pacing, her and Jessica are both mid-20s range. So in terms of pacing and rate of progress, I think, fuck, those two are the young lionesses coming up. But you do have, um, obviously, Kimberly Walford. You want to talk about dynasties? We're talking about Kimberly Walford. We're not talking about 72. We're talking about Canada. He asked you, who's going to win the next title for Canada? No, no. That but was the I, question. But I want to talk about Jessica Bittner. So this one says, for Canada. <laughs> yeah, he wants to talk about Jess. For Canada. All right, all right. Keep going. Keep for going. For Canada. I think Jessica's probably the number one. Uh, okay. But I'm just saying, in terms of the odds, um, I'm yes, just it's, saying it's the, it's that class. Yeah. And then, it's that class. But I also think Maria T at 57, if she is, man, she's a fucking boss. She's a monster. Yeah. You think she might win her second title before Jess wins her first? 
Well, here's the thing, man. They're, they're going to yes, go first. Yes, because it happens earlier in the week. She's going to go first. <laughs> She's going to go first. Two, two Canadians, 2020. Let's go. It's okay. <laughs> and then um, looking at the uh, we're looking at the gentle men. You're tough on tough on that it's side. Tough man, that's a little tough, isn't it? Yeah. That's a little tough. Uh, yeah, man, that's a tough one to say. Who would be the first over there? I mean, or, or next, because we got Eric Willis. But the women, I do think, honestly, Maria T is a fucking monster at 57. She's done it before. And look at that Hail Mary that she won with the 57s in Sweden. My fucking God. She failed the second attempt. 2019 lift of the year, hands down. That was no, crazy. That no was question. absolutely bonkers. Do you, do no you guys question. think, um, what, was, what do you guys think is the biggest come from behind, there's no fucking way moment that someone came back and won a world? Oh, I mean, that, that, that's up there for sure. I mean, yeah. it's either that or it's Ulan against Brett in Belarus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was like, okay, it's over, it's over, it's over. Uh, wait, Brett, what'd you do? Uh, Ulan, oh, what, oh, wait, uh, uh, holy shit, what did I just say? <laughs> yeah, Basically, yeah. that's exactly what it was. Yeah, those are the two that stand out in my mind. And then obviously, Maria bombing out on deadlifts and clean. That's another one. But, but, so she got her redemption, at least. In, right. In, uh, and it's Sweet. a beautiful, beautiful redemption story that happened in deadlifts of all things, too. Yeah, but, for um, sure. I think you're right with the Brett one because uh, Brett was far more heavy favored. Where I think Meg Scale was probably favored over Maria because she was so phenomenal and Megan had an amazing day that day. Like, nobody, she would have beat every single other 57 kilo lifter in history except Maria that day. She, her, her total was a world record total herself. Just Maria was slightly more. So Meg, Meg and Maria were much closer, even though I had Meg probably as a favorite going in. But you're right, Brett Newlon, that shit was supposed to be just a wrap. So that makes it a come from behind more staggering of a win. For sure. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, I didn't see it, but I, I heard that they were cranking down on Maria's wrist wrap so hard to try and push down those muscles to keep their hand closed. And it was just so crazy for her to go from missing the second attempt on grip to holding on the third attempt for so long. It was because it was a grinder of itself. Yeah. So she had to not only hold on to it, but she had to hold on to it for like oh, such a long time it, and be able to hold on and finish it. it. That's Jeff Butt. Jeff Butt was the Canadian yeah. coach and he was like, like they, back to the walls. Like, fuck it. What are we going to do? And she's, she was like, exactly that. What the fuck am I going to do? And Jeff's like, look at, I mean, here's what we can do. I don't know if it's going to work, but it could. She's like, I'm going to crank those fucking things on you that like, you're not going to feel your hands. I hope it works. Is it going to work? Uh, what else have we got? What else we got? You're not going to get stronger in the next minute. So, and my God, I thought it was going to be tug on the bar. Thank you very much. I'll take my silver and you bounce. I think like, everyone did. We're like, oh, let's watch this real quick. And then we'll go, yeah. you know, give hugs or whatever. Yeah, We're like, yeah. what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah. and again, like she pulled it and it was amazing. I was like, this is the the best loss I've ever felt in my entire life. Now, I'm not, of course, now I'm not Meg Scanlon, of course. You know, I mean, we're just back there coaching her. But I was like, that was so amazing. Like, this is a piece of history. You know, the, the best lift of the year, hands down, for sure. It was either that or Ray's squat at the Arnold. The, the, I, I like, I like too, if you go watch the video again, she does this all-out grinder. She holds it. She gets a down command. She puts it down. She does a little tap on the weights and walks away like a yeah. fucking badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> well, the thing, I had Megan on after that, and she was even like, look it, fuck it. I, will, I literally put up, 
Like she broke like three world records, including the world record total, and like right. that that would have won her the worlds in any fucking day. And a miracle happened for Maria T to get that dead. She's like, what, what else can I do? What, what am I gonna beat myself up? If you're gonna lose, like Brett would have looked back and like, God damn it, there was some mistakes there. And like I, if I tighten that up, maybe that wouldn't happen. Whereas Meg could be like, whatever. What am I gonna do? I got no regrets. As long as you don't have regrets, it's easier to live with it. If you got regrets, where you're like, oh shit. I, I, I might fumble the ball there, didn't I? And everyone's like, so, oh, how, so how about this one? 2016 in Colleen. Um, Anna against Ilya in the 84 kilo class. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Anna misses her her second deadlift, and Ilya takes a smaller jump on her third just to kind of pad the total. Anna goes for goes for the gold and pulls it fairly easily. There's some rumors out there that it might have been a uh, little fake miss on the uh, second attempt. <laughs> would you guys actually do that? Would you ever? Would you ever be bold enough to be like, you're gonna have to fake miss your second and come back for your third? I want to say I want to say no. I don't have the balls <laughs> to do that, but I want to feel like I, I I would. But I don't think I ever would. <laughs> I, I guess it. I guess it depends on how much you have to fake the miss and if you were already going to use that strategy. Like, there's some equip lifters, especially uh, some of the super heavyweights that might pass on their second attempt, like save time and energy for the third attempt. So, if you know you're going to pass in the second, then maybe go out there and like sell a little bit and be like, oh, no, nah, I don't have it today, right. and then come right. out with the third. Yeah. Well, like, we see people, for instance, pass on the second, come out and nail the third. Like, Emil did that in Sweden. Um, I think uh, Anatoly. Did he do that at the Europeans? Or am I making that shit up? I don't remember. This year? Yeah. No, no, he passed on his third because he already broke the world record. Okay, okay, he was, he, was, he was saving the world record for Sheffield. Yeah. That's why he didn't go out. Yeah. You know, and that's the one thing where a lot of those people are, are now, because they're out so much money, now that there's money involved, because you guys obviously are, you guys do programming, but you also do handling. Do you think if the money keeps flowing... Especially with like handling, I think handling is far too fucking underrated and people don't understand how important handling is in powerlifting. I shit you not, I still get people who hit me up in the DMs of King of Lifts and be like, it's overblown, the strongest guy wins, strongest girl wins, or you just work up to a single max. And why, I, I you know, you guys pretend it's chess. I don't pretend it's chess, but it sure as fuck isn't just checkers where you're just... Work up to a single max and whoever's strongest wins. It isn't that simple. And I know I don't gotta tell you guys, there is some strategy involved. Like if you have two people who are nose and nose, and they're like like a Brett versus Russell type situation, um, if they're that tight, you fuck up or attempt selection or whatever the shit it is can make the difference. So I A, I wanna ask you guys about that and, and some things that you don't think some people probably know about when it comes to that, but B. If money starts coming involved for these big competitions like SPD Invitational, some people are going, when they're heading into a competition, you're like, I think I could take 30K. If it's unreasonable, you're not going to go and get yourself the world's best handler because you're like, it's out of reach anyways. I'm just going to go for a world record. But let's say money's on the table and it's like, I could grab 30 fucking K. Do you foresee a time where we may start looking at, look it, I understand you got a programming coach, but if you are neck and neck, you don't gotta fire your fucking programming coach, but you might want to hire a caddy and just fucking walk in there with that corner man or corner woman, and because it's thirty k on. And are these people? Are we gonna see more and more of that? 
And our possibly handler's now going to be like, all right, if this is the way it's going to be, I'm going to need 10% of that. And if you don't want it, that's fine. But I got to let you know, I'm also got an offer by the other person. And I'm fucking good. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, I already get hit up by people, Nationals, Arnold, that kind of stuff, that have their own coach or programming coach, but they need someone on meet day to do the right, by th- right thing by them. So, you know, I definitely see that happening because it's already happening. You know, Arian gets hired, I get hired, you know, different different coaches get hired by other lifters that need someone to do the right thing by them on meet day. Um, and yeah, of course, it's actually it's 20%, not 10%, by the way, for oh, the, wow. um, <laughs> just to let you know. <laughs> Nicely done. But yeah, but listen, here's the deal. Anyone who's gonna tell you that handlers aren't important, okay, I'm gonna give you a quick story by the exact same example you just gave us. So it was 83 kilos at World Championships, okay? We're going into deadlifts, okay? It's Russ against Brett. Russ is ahead by a little bit. Okay, we want to make sure that we're pulling last. Okay, so we want to have a higher opener than Brett so he can't dictate of how high, how big he jumps over us um, so we can kind of control it from there because we're pulling after him. So my simple plan is I tell Arian, hey, I got this. I'll make sure we're ahead of him. I go over and I hide behind the spotter loaders who are sitting there eating lunch and drinking water while they're um, you know, in between set, you know, the 20-minute break. And I just wait for the New Zealand team. I know they're coming. I know they're going to put a change in the opener in. And I just wait. So I see the coach over there come over, Rory. That's He's right. looking around, back and forth, back and forth. And he hands in the attempt change with like 15 seconds left. So I walk over, boom, 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 change the opener. Boom. And we're at you know, a, you know, two and a half kilos above Brett. And we're pulling last. And then there's no way we can lose as long as we make our lifts. Mm. It's simple as that. But, like, again, what local coach is going to do that for you at a meet that matters the most to you? Nobody else is doing that. So that's basically the story there. And, and, and there is, like, in terms of um, if world records are on the table and you could get chips and obviously there's lot numbers. And do people even understand how lot numbers work in the lot number advantage and uh, body Most and Most coaches that we see at national events have no clue about anything. <laughs> that's the truth. Yeah, lot, lot numbers, kilos – you know, changing deadlifts, that kind of stuff, they don't know. So there's a lot of times that they're you know, going to be arguing calls and this and that where they actually don't know what's going on. So, you know, if you're going to if you're going to coach or compete in anything, you're going to read the rule book, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Before, you know, if we're going to go do a Olympic lifting meet. We're going to figure out what the deal is and how to actually compete, not just show up and do it. Well, a lot of these people have coaches that just kind of show up and do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you don't have a professional coach doing it for you, you're at a disadvantage. And not only that, there's there's there is strategy too. Like that's huge. But also, like for instance, so Kafwe, um, who's co-host on this, he just won the Canadian Nationals, and um, we were in a battle where he was he was he's a he broke the IPF world record for deadlift. But the other guy's a subtotal guy, big fucking subtotal. So we knew we he everyone knows Kafwe's deadlift, but they don't know like it's going to be the biggest weapon. But you don't know exactly where it's going to fall. But if you're breaking world records, it's it's going to intimidate guys. Because they're like, well, you could maybe have the biggest deadlift we've seen, um, certainly in the Canadian Nationals. So we knew the guy was going to go all out trying to build his subtotal. And I told Kafwe, here's something. Here's something the vets will do. I want you to have your fucking opener. It's realistic, but it's inflated. You're not going to open that high. But it's realistic. It looks more closer to a second attempt. Don't make it so big that they know you're bluffing. But he's looking at that, telling himself, holy shit. 
So if he's opening there, where is he going to finish? And you start doing the math. And he's like, are you sure he's going to? I was like, my friend, I've never met a power lifter or a handler or who, who isn't looking at numbers and isn't doing math and crunching and isn't looking at what you've been doing. And we purposely in training are not showing top end stuff and, and, and blocking certain things out. So calf, we go six for six in the subtotal. And our boy that we're going against was overextending. And we knew he wanted a chip because he's on Canadian national records because he knew calf was going to have a chip. So we went for a chip. It went overextended on his third squat. It missed his third squat. I and I'm like, well, fuck, that's that's like, that's really, we, they were neck and neck. You, once you miss once, now you're playing catch up. What happens in the bench press? You hear the commentators actually saying, when uh, the gentleman's hitting his third bench, if he hits this, he's now on pace with the forecast to be tied with Cafwe again. No, Cafwe's forecast is bullshit. He's chasing a number that's not real. So he, what does he do? He misses it because he's trying to catch something that's not real. And then when the deadlifts come around, we drop it to what we're actually going to. By the time the second deadlift rolled around, it was already a wrap. And by the time Cafwee had to pull his third, it was just a victory lap. And he was already a king national champion. But this is the shit that people don't know. Like everything you said, Bill, in terms of all the different lot numbers, chips, body weight, and then strategy that can be evolved in terms of gaming somebody. There is game time strategy. And I feel like if some people aren't on that upper level where, you know, you you either watch on the live stream and see enough of it or, or around coaches like yourselves who have been around the block, you just don't fucking know and you're naive. And you are exactly the people that will be gamed by the shit that I just said. You are exactly people who think, I got this, I'm good. And it's like, uh, my coach is going to handle me. Does it do your programming? It's not a fuck enough. He might be a brilliant programmer, but you might be a, an amazing power lifter. You're not a, you don't have the game handling mind. There is an IQ to it. You will be game. You can, the stronger man doesn't always win or put it this way. If you're both fucking pretty goddamn close, this is the shit that's going to make the difference. And I feel like some people hit me up in the DMs. I'm like, what federation you lift at? I only ask because I'm wondering if you had a lot of showdowns where it's that fucking tight and the handlers at the top are used to this kind of shit. And they see this kind of thing over and over because it's one through five. It's too tight. And someone's got to make errors. And you, the people who are fight, who are way too simplistic looking at this, you're going to be the one to fumble the ball and make the errors. That's so the other thing, too, is like, you gotta, like when you're doing this and you're handling somebody, you instill that confidence of like, listen, I know what I'm doing. I got you. You make yeah. your lifts. You're yeah. not fucking losing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you make all nine lifts, we're good, man. Right, I put you in the right position to, to do what you got to do. You're not going to lose, and and that's the kind of you know stuff you have to instill in your lifters like that. Um, yeah, because you know as long as I do my job, you do your job. We're unbeatable, right? I'll put the right number on the bar every time. It's all good. You know, you want to go for the win, we go for the win. You make yeah. it, you win. It's easy. And, and you also would be like, do your job. Trust me. What that the situation that just I just explained isn't going to happen to you. I seen it all. I know all the fuck. I know all the rules. I know all the games because guess what? I play them too. Shout out to fucking George Michael. You know what I'm saying? And um, so, so if you know you're with somebody like that, you could be like, "We're good. We're not gonna get fucked up over this." Whereas, For sure. you, we, if you're just in there and you're come game time, that's your boy who does your programming or your girl who does your programming, but you're not sure how how up on there with all of the either all the rules or strategy, and they don't understand the complexity of it, and they're playing checkers while fellas like you are playing chess, 
You're going to get fucked up. You're going to get roughed up out there. That's why certain guys like Matt Gary and yourselves are, are always going to get called to task when it comes to that. Be like, come out here, handle me. And um, you, you just, you don't have to worry about it. And when we see more events, I think, like Sheffield start coming about, I think handling is going to be far more important. And I think you guys should. Do you want to say, look, we said it joking earlier. But do you see where it's like, for the bigger, bigger money events, I think those people are fools if they take somebody who's not up on their handling. And I think they should pay a little extra. And I think we, it might not be year one. It might be five years later. Because what you're going to have to see is, you've seen at Worlds before, people fuck up what's supposed to be on the bar. People fuck up and drop the ball. And people lost at Worlds. Wow, that's kind of shitty, but it is what it is. Imagine there's 30K on the line. That only has to happen at Sheffield one or two times in a row in the years, and people talk about it, it becomes a talk of, and then the next year, nobody's fucking doing that mistake again, are they? Yeah, for sure. I mean, depending on how many coaches you're allowed back there, you might have like your your mental or hype coach, and then you might have your, your attempt selection or rule coach. But yeah, what if it's like Sheffield and you're allowed only one coach back there? Then who do you pick? Or do you find someone that's maybe who has it all? They know They know your lifts. They know how to talk to you correctly and hype you up, and they know all the rules and attempt selection. Then you just pay that person and say, hey, listen, get me the win, get me the most amount of money, and I'll pay you. It doesn't have to be 20% like uh, Bill's saying over here, but I mean, a lot of people right now are doing oh, it for free. Cutting throats already. Look at this. Look at slashing. What are you cutting those throats? Price gouging. Price gouging. gouging Stay man. together. Unity, fellas. Unity. I'm trying to give the, be- the better price over here. I mean, a lot of people do it for free or maybe for cheap. Let's say 100 bucks. Yeah. I mean, you can bump that up to a 500 bucks and still have the other person get the rest of the money. You nice. Hey, we got to eat. Bill's got a family, goddammit. Bill's got a family. Don't take the food out of his kid's mouth. Okay. Yeah, I don't have any kids. <laughs> That's right. Arian's like, look at him sleeping right next to my bench press. What do you want from me? Okay? What do you want from me? It's dog eat dog out here. <laughs> but yeah, especially, I mean, a lot of people don't have coaches that are um, – maybe competing or coaching in the same federation as them. So like you might compete only in IPF, but you might have a coach that's like in USPA or something like that. So they don't necessarily know all the ins and outs and the rules and the qualification. They might not come to the meets. Um, so then that makes the meet day coaching more important. Um, it, it can make or break everything because you could do all your training perfect, all your nutrition perfect, make weight, and then just have a shitty game plan and fuck all those 12 weeks or 16 weeks, however long it was up. And as you said, the closer and closer it is, the more and more important it is. And a lot of people might go see the ending totals on paper. Like if you go look at uh, our boy Russ versus Gibbs, you might go see, okay, it was 13 kilos. It wasn't that close. But once Gibbs missed, it was already over at that point. So we went wherever we wanted for Russ. But before that, if you go look at second attempts, it was only a three kilo difference. Yeah. That means if anyone had fucked up on their bench or on their squat, it would have changed it. So like, we had to pick the perfect third attempt squat for Russ between Bill, me, Joey, and Russ that he has to make it. I told him you have to make your third squat. If you miss your third squat, it's over because we're taking like a 10-kilo jump and it really just changes all the totals so much. So it just becomes that important. You, you, you made a point. Okay. So you're saying in the future we might see – you have a programming coach – um, you have a handler, and well, actually, you know, we see that right now. You have a program coach, you have a handler. A lot of guys have, and girls have dietitians because getting into the weight class is important, and you don't want to be depleted. Well, I just didn't fucking eat for a week. Well, where's your strength at now, right? This is like Bill was saying, where some guy's struggling to make weight, shows up, and killed himself to make weight, and it's like, what the shit happened, bro? The videos you sent me, you were killing it. Well, I cut a shitload of weight improperly. So anyways, 
I think at the top, as we go, and we get more and more professional, uh, we're, we're going to see multiple coaches. But when I look at other sports, like MMA and boxing, you, you do have situations where there's a lot of chefs in the kitchen. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes the guy's going to listen to this guy, and he's going to listen to this guy too much. People step on toes. Have you guys, and you don't have to name names or any kind of shit like that, but has that been an issue, or do you foresee it possibly being an issue where... Because you, the way the world is set up and structured are the handlers of the day. And there's a reason why you guys are the handlers for all the reasons we just saw. Anybody watching, listening, or whatever, there's a fucking difference. You guys do programming as well, and you get that. But your handling expertise is unique. Programming expertise, there's a lot of people out there doing it. Handling, there's not. Do you foresee this being a situation? And did we just lose my man? Did I offend him? Did I just offend that man? Did he, just, I mean, did he just walk off on my guy and be like, fuck this shit? He just, he just chaos shown into me um, or whatever athlete. He just fucking Khabib me. What the shit just happened? Maybe he just got a bunch of DMs of people that wanted to handle him at meets or something like that. Or he's just a family man. He's got to go take care of the babies. What the shit was that all about? He got up. I don't know if he flipped me off before he left. Did you catch that? There was a hand gesture of sorts. Uh, oh, he's back. oh, here he comes. Here, here he comes. Here he is. Here he is. I thought you got offended for, offend for a second there, Bill. I thought I said something to offend you, sir. I you <laughs> this. I'm, out. I'm out of this press conference. But um, do you guys, I paused the question so you didn't miss anything. But do you guys, have you A, experienced it already? And B, foresee that, you know, when it comes time to money, if especially then, look at it, it's a little easier when money's involved. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. But you do, you're, you are hired to be fucking national team coach so it's your responsibility to get points and if someone's like i think i think my girl's got a gold in her and you're like yeah she might have fourth and we could use those points so have you been in that experience before a and then b moving forward can you foresee there's fucking money on the line so now you're even being paid by the athlete and you see somebody's a programmer like i think my boy's got this in them and you're like listen my fucking role i'm making 20 percent for this so this is where it's got to go yeah, I mean, that's the, the stuff that you would set up beforehand, especially if we're going to a level where they're getting paid. Or, or even, for example, now you mentioned Matt Gary. So Matt might go to Worlds and handle Sam or might handle Ray or might handle Dennis. Um, so they they set up the terms beforehand. They say, okay, if I'm going to handle you, then I'm the person who makes the final decision uh, because I'm the one watching your training. I'm the one who's not biased. and I'm the one who knows all the rules in the outs of all the lifters and everything like that. So then when they go to Worlds, it's not a problem. For a lot of these lifters, if depending on the personality, they just might walk away. And so it's just the handler or maybe the handler and coach, they just make the decision, hey, this is the temp we're doing, this is what we're going with, um, and that's how it goes. For the national team, for how, how I coach, I'm a little bit more lax. There have been some issues in the past, and um, I don't care as much about team points as maybe some other countries do because it, it's nothing for USAPL as far as money from the government or anything like that. So – we give recommendations and say, hey, we strongly suggest, based on your training and what it looks like, this is what we think you should do. Um, but if they want to go with something else and it's like within reason, then here you go. You can have it um, go re- be responsible for your own actions. Um, if they didn't follow the rules leading up and let's say I asked for training um, leading up and they didn't submit any training and they didn't keep up with anything and they didn't do any of the paperwork. Well, then when it comes time to uh, pick the game plan, I say, listen, you didn't follow your side of the contract, so this is how I'm going to adjust all your stuff. Yeah, but that's even tougher. I'm going to I'm gonna get to you in a sec, Bill, because I know you probably want to put on this, but that'd be almost even tougher when you're, like, flying more blind 
And you're like, I don't know what the fuck is going on here. But so you're almost like, it's almost, I know what you mean. You don't want to reward somebody for cutting off communication by being like, all right, do whatever you want. But on the flip side, you're almost in the back to the wall where you're like, fuck me. I don't even know. I haven't seen so shit just, from you. you. So you just go more conservative. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. You can be like, okay, I don't give a shit, whatever. Yeah, you did it to yourself. What do you think, Bill? What do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, so with, with my athletes, um, I basically let them do what they want to do with my guidance, of course. And 95% of them say, hey, you do what you think is right, and I'll follow suit kind of thing. So basically they let me call the, the attempts um, regardless of what it is for the most part. And there's that little 5% that like wants that input and wants to make sure they know everything that's going on in the bar. And you know, well, I did this, this last time. What do you think? Yeah. And it gets really, really complicated with, with some people like that, that really want the most input possible. Um, and a lot of times you'll see the least amount of gains out of those people mm. uh, because they really want to, Oh, well, if I did this, this last time, I want to push this and do this. I'm like, yeah, but if we just stay the same on bench and we have a bigger deadlift, then we'll be okay. Or if we, yeah. you know, conserve the deadlift a little bit, we can actually go higher on the squat instead of. I mean, I'm sorry, conserve the deadlift, uh, the squat a little bit. We can go higher in the deadlift instead of actually missing a squat and then we're fucking our deadlift over yeah. kind of thing, and we're just taking, you know, mo- you know, way off the the key, the total kind of thing. But um, yeah, but for the most part, it's kind of like the way I kind of run things, and most of my athletes trust me enough that like I pretty much have the control 100 percent of the time which is nice if you guys run into it where there is that programming coach and you're like shit this is gonna be tougher because now we got the lifter we got the programming coach and we got yourself now you got three people with input you're like ah for sure i mean but again i always tell the athlete it's your meat you can do what you want to do yeah okay it's not my name out there. It's not your other coach's name out there. It's not your nutrition coach out there. It's your name out there. So if you want to put 500 kilos in the bar, you put 500 kilos in the bar. You want to – whatever it is. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Just a random number. Yeah, yeah. But um, if you – know, whatever you want, that's what it is. If you trust me enough to say, hey, this is the number you need to win or this is the number that's there or what you have left kind of thing because I've studied your tape. I've done all this. You know, we don't just show up in the meet and we just coach people. Like we're actually doing our homework on these people that hire us. So we know what their stuff looks like, what we should actually see, you know, during their attempts. Are they a grinder? Are they not a grinder? You know, how do they miss kind of stuff? So, you know, when you're, when you're hiring good handlers, they're doing their homework on you. They're not just showing up being, Hey, my name's Bill. Nice to meet you. What do you want to do today? All right. You know, like there's already, a, there's already a rapport and a, and a plan in place already. You know what I'm saying? Uh, with the uh, with the open team, we've seen some of these people for a number of years. Like I've known Bonica since 2014. I've been watching her lift. I know all, all her world championships. I know all her attempts. I know I watch her train and everything like that. Um, versus maybe if it's someone for like a sub junior team and it's like their first time at nationals or their first time at worlds, you might not have a lot of data on them. And so for the open team, they tend to be obviously adults. They tend to be a little more relaxed. Uh, we work well with their coaches and stuff. The bigger problems we actually had was with the sub-junior and junior team. And the reason why is because oftentimes they're coached by their parents. And so we, I've had parents get straight in my face arguing about a temp before. What? Like, like, a, like, a, like a hockey dad? Because hockey Because it's their, it's their kid. Their, their kid's the best. They're unstoppable. They can look whatever. No shit. It's, yes. The, the, the sub-junior, junior team 
is so hard to coach because you have to deal with the parents. The kids are 95% of the time amazing, yeah. right? When you're dealing with the parents, I mean, any youth sport, yeah. right? The parents now are pretty awful. Yeah. Um, you know, yelling, screaming from the stands, whatever. I mean, I've actually had parents come up to me like in the middle of a world championship meet and say, you know, you just put a tempt in that's not going to get my daughter, you know, a gold medal or a bronze medal in bench press. I go, yeah, because she can't actually make that lift. Goes, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, yeah, there's, the, the parents with that team is like, oof, 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 and, oof. I, and as Bill said, a lot of times the, the lifters are cool with it. So there may have been a lifter who, for example, missed a second attempt, and we put a relift in for the third attempt. And the lifter themselves wanted the relift at the same weight, but the, the, the dad is mad at us. And so I had to tell Bill and our other assistant coach, Brad Couillard, hey, just go in the locker room, go go watch the lifter. I'd take care of the dad. And the dad's like, right up, what is the dad's like, the dad's right up in my face, yelling at me about how he paid for him to be there and the, the, the daughter to be there and the coach to be there. And, and we have to go up and wait because this lifter is doing this. And I don't care about the USAPL rules. I'll go back there and coach my lifter and this and that. Holy shit, man. And that's like that's how distracting is that though? If you're if you're like a junior, a sub junior, and your dad's like about to throw down with the the head coach and everything, that's embarrassing, man. That's not something you want to remember for the rest of your life for your first world championships. But it's also not something that's out of the ordinary for these kids, I'm sure. Well, yeah, it's, it's not the first time their dad, their mom, their uncle, yeah. their aunt has done that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it's happened before, regardless if they played you know volleyball as a kid or field hockey or whatever. They're on the sidelines screaming, yelling at the coach or whatever. You know. It, listen, youth sports are in trouble because of the parents. That's there's no doubt in my mind. Damn. There's no doubt in my mind. I don't want to be that dad, man. I, I tell my wife all the time, like, let's just go let the kids go out there and have fun. I don't want to be that dad who's out there like, kick the ball, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah a little three-year-old yeah. like, come on, do a handstand. What's wrong with you? Gymnastics yeah. class, whatever. A lot of our referees don't like going and, and working high school nationals, or even meet directors don't like writing high school nationals because you just get all the parents that complain about everything leading up, and then during the meet, they're just like yelling about the calls and this and that, and then they're complaining afterwards and everything like that, and it's just like Damn. not even worth it. I didn't know any of this. Now, like, I, I see... <laughs> I see from the commentating side and see the platform. I guess behind though, who who knows what's going on in the warm up room? Who makes that's why it pays to have great handlers because they have to deal with all of that stuff. Yeah. You're not just handling the lifter; you're handling the other coaches, you're handling the other parents, and all this other crazy stuff. How do you guys the boyfriends, become, the girlfriends? Come on! How do you guys become U.S. national team head coaches? Because it's not an easy it's not an easy job. Well, Aaron's Aaron's a head coach. Don't forget that. Or or coaches period. How do you how do you guys how do how does one make their way up? Because the thing is, like a it, it's it's a very important like every it's the biggest show in our sport is the IPF World Championships in terms of viewership, in terms of participation, in terms of um, you know representation around the world. It's definitely the biggest in our sport, and and US is definitely the biggest nation. So how does and I'm sure everybody wants to make their way on as as a national team coach. Because if you're if you're running a coaching service, that you're going to charge far more. You're going to be on the live stream. Everyone's going to know who you are. You're elbow to elbow with the best in the world, whether it's from the U.S. team or all over the world. It's such a it's such a great opportunity for a coach. I see it on the Canadian championship, like the Canadian level. 
guys becoming Canadian national team coaches, oh, and very quickly open up a coaching service and they're collecting clients and make fair play. You might as well. You're gonna you're gonna earn your stripes. But how does one make it on there? So here's real quick. It's funny that you mentioned that, like, you know, you're these the best coaches and you know, you should be charging whatever. Here's how I really I had a friend of me told told me this. They basically were viewed as the public defenders. So that they're stuck with us because they can't have anybody else there. Okay. Yeah. Whereas yeah, there's other coaches in the, in the world, in, you know, in the country that are the celebrity coaches yeah. that everyone kind of flocks to and pays all these, all this money to kind of thing where we're kind of like the guys like, Oh yeah, well USAPL picked you. So you're probably not that good. And you're loyal to USAPL and XYZ, whatever. So you can't be as good as the other guys that I can pay extraordinary money to. That's kind of how it's looked at. That's that's the way it's looked at, for sure. That's fucking insane to me. Because I, okay, people in the know talk about you, like, if the guys in the know. So I've been in the sport for, like, oh, in 2008, long time, doing the, doing the FBF World commentating for the past five years. And, like, when I talk to other nations, when I talk to, like, the OGs, when I talk to Hunter, everybody that's the thing. knows, yeah. The other countries, yes. Not our own country. Unless they're the OGs and shit. Most people know... If, if you've been around the block, you know, but yeah, I guess you're right. Here's the thing. If you're a kid who's in it last two years, the fuck do you know? You don't even know all the rules. You don't know this. You are that kid who's thinking the strongest person's going to win. So yeah. Right. yeah. You're, you're, you're the kid who sees the person with the most Instagram followers and that's the person I want to coach me. Yeah. Fair enough. Right. I mean, that's, that's yeah. kind of, that's the way this is going right now. Yeah. So it's not the, the most experienced coaches that have the, the highest clientele sometimes it's it's the people that have the most instagram followers the guys that get the most traction that kind of stuff and have the best lifters right so i mean you know you have you know multiple world champions here whatever who's their coach okay this person okay let me go check that person out and that's kind of the way that works too so there's some luck involved in it too by having someone um that you coach kind of reach different you know levels like that right you're so, right yeah so we'll see if maybe this trend changes with more money being involved um, not only from the countries funding the coaches, but also maybe the sponsors. Um, but the reason why a lot of the top coaches or most famous coaches aren't team coaches around around the world is because they're not getting paid for it. It is more money now, but it used to be less money. It used to maybe not even be enough to cover your expenses. So you have to lose money to go to worlds and coach these lifters that even aren't your lifters. Mm. So that's why you don't see maybe Joey Flex being a head coach. You don't see the strength guys being a, strength, a head coach. You don't see Mike Duchere being a head coach. Um, it's because there's no money involved with it. Um, so if you're not involved with the organization as much, you're like, why would I spend all this time and all this money and all this effort to go coach all these other people? Um, but if I could do a brief, like, I guess, timeline of how I got into it um, and I kind of try to follow um, what what Matt Gary did because he's the one who kind of showed me the ways. I took the USAPL coaching course with him in 2013, and I took the first level. There's three levels: club level, national, international. One sec, so one pop- sec. Let me. Uh, I gotta uh, share this. All story. right, we hit hour number two, Bill. It's hour number two. <laughs> hour number two. And you guys, you ain't. All right, all right, all right. Cool. All right. So you were just saying you you you're taking a course with the OG legend himself and uh, who's always on this podcast, Matt Gary, my man. Go ahead. 
Yeah, so in 2013, they restarted the USAPL coaching course. Matt Gary was in charge of it and one of the people teaching it. So I took the course with him. And after the course, I asked him, hey, how can I, with the same question you're asking, how can I become a head coach? So he told me how he did it. And his in was through his wife, Susie. She was a competitor on the team. So he went on as a personal coach and got his way in as an assistant and eventually head coach. So he said the best thing you can do is get on as a personal coach for a lifter and then work your way up. So in 2014 world, I was a personal coach for my two coworkers, I guess you can call them for squat design, Jordan Burke and, and Nate Zephyr. So I went on as a personal coach for them. And then I told the head coaches, hey, I'll just be in the back room helping people warm up whatever sessions you need. So I was just in the back room, just slinging weight, just warming people up, warming up Bonica, warming up Kimberly, warming up whoever, and sending them off to the head coaches for the temps. And they let me work with a few people too, like our, our buddy Johnny Candido. I helped handle him at that meet in South Africa. Um, and eventually, the head coaches are going to step down and let other people take over. So I applied for the sub-junior and junior spot, and they picked me for that in 2016, mostly because I spent my own time and money in 2014 and 2015 going to South Africa Worlds. South Africa plane ticket was like $1,200 I spent to go there. So they saw, okay, this guy actually cares. He's actually doing a coaching course. He's doing the referee course. He's spending his money. So we'll make him the sub-junior and junior coach. I did that 2016, 17, and 18. And then we do three-year terms. So then I applied for the open coach, and I got that for 2019, 2020, if it happens, and 2021. So that's the way I kind of built myself up from, like, personal coach, assistant coach, head coach for sub-juniors and juniors, and then finally the open. And, and how do you feel Bill's, Bill's looking for your spot? How you feel, Bill's eyeballing your chair? <laughs> Bill's like, Bill goes, Bill's, and, and, and uh, myself, I'll be 2022 and 2023. And <laughs> I'll turn us around. I'm sure we'll be in a deficit in the next couple of years, but we'll be okay. We'll be okay. Well, he's younger than me. He's going to outlive me. So he'll be, you know, coach way longer than I will be. Sometime. I mean, I wrote a letter of recommendation for 2019 when Bill put in for some teams of me backing him and saying you uh, USAPL you should pick him. But I may have talked to a couple people and they never even received this letter of recommendation. So I don't know what happened there, but Bill didn't get picked. So 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 after you get you so you get in for three years, and then what happens after that? Can you reapply? Is it like or do you like who makes the decision? There's a committee that makes this this decision, I guess. Yeah, so every three years, they, they ask for all the applications. That's what they did last year. They said, hey, we're taking applications for all the teams. You have up to this deadline. If you're already the coach, you can just reapply for the team. You don't have to send in a resume. If you're a new coach, then you send in a resume of what uh, certifications you have and basically what your achievements are in the organization. Matt Gary um, was in charge of the coaching education, but also the national team's so he would uh, vent through those applications. Anything that was like didn't meet, meet the minimum requirements, he would take out. Anything that met the minimum requirements, he'd pass off to the executive committee. Then the executive committee reviews it, and they're the ones who vote on it. So there's uh, 11 of them, I believe. No shit, man. So, this is, so it is difficult to make your way in. I mean, you, you got to think it's going to be competitive. I realize that the very biggest of the big dog names might be like, all right, it doesn't make sense for me. But you, you know everybody and their mother calls themselves a powerlifting coach and would love to be in that spot because it's instant credibility. However, we already went through how, how difficult it is to handle and it's not as easy as people think. Even if someone thinks they're up for the task, they're probably not. So it is good that there's like, I knew there had to be some kind of a process, man, some kind of a gatekeeping, so to speak. And yeah, Matt obviously 
had told me how there's like coaching like like for the coaches as well, right? So everyone's on board and understands and it's vetted ahead of time. So you're basically battle tested by the time you get out there. Yeah, so I've done the club level, the senior national and the senior international, plus got the hands-on experience with my own lifters and as an assistant. Um, so yeah, you built up a lot of experience before you put in for that head coaching spot. Uh, and yeah, there's there's probably a handful of people that put into it because there's a lot of people that are very um, focused on only USAPL and they want to be in USAPL as like a top level referee, a top level coach, a top level committee member, stuff like that. So they're fighting for those uh, top level coaching positions. Um, depending who you talk to, this one might be the highest one. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys ever had a situation where you had to pull a lifter aside? and do one of those Disney moments speeches where somebody needs to buck up, like the Maria T situation where you're like, hey, listen, let me talk to you. Because they just missed something, and it was one of those Hail Mary moments, or they're just faltering, and you had to pull on that sports psychology angle. Have you been in that situation yet? I live for those moments, man. Come on, are you kidding me? Yeah, My well, life I... is a Disney movie, for God's <laughs> sakes. Come on. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, I, there's been times where lifters have missed their first two squats, and it's like, okay what can I say to get into this person's head right now to make sure that they hit the depth on this one or have the strength or whatever. I mean, there's so many different things that go into your mind. And if you're not studying how to like the psychology of this sport and psychology of just getting into people's heads and motivation and that kind of stuff, you're missing the boat on this whole thing. Yeah. Again, that's why, I go, that's why I go back to like having professional handlers and that kind of stuff is because like people are doing the work, man. Like, like you said, like just to, just to get into someone's head and be like to say like three or four motivational words and they're like, fuck yeah, let's go. I got this. Yeah. Like, and they know you're on the same page as them. That like interpersonal connection, that's all you need sometimes with that. So that's, that's one of the most amazing parts of the sport for sure. It's like that interpersonal relationship with your lifters and that kind of stuff, yeah. especially in those moments of like do or die. If it's like, doubt, you can't have doubt. You can, if you walk up, like I know, yeah, earlier in the same fucking podcast, I'm, I'm stepping on my own toes, but I was saying gravity doesn't care, right? But here's the thing. With some motivation, I've had, we've all done it before, where you're in the gym and you might hit a weight and maybe even failed or struggle like a motherfucker at the very least. And you're like, holy shit. But you weren't properly, you weren't ready for it. Then you walk around, the adrenaline starts coming, and now you're ready, and then you fucking hit it. And you're like, look at it, I didn't get stronger in the minute, but something changed right there. And sometimes it is that, where it's like, you can't find it because you can't get that adrenaline going. You can't get your mindset right. And someone has to pull you aside and be like, listen to me. And you just, you get the retention. Famously, my friend, I'm glad you went first, Bill. You turned, pointed at Heather. I forget what you said, the exact quote, but it was like, world champions don't miss third attempts. Or something like that effect. And she was like, oh, shit. She's like, wow, this this big ass man is in my face, like not in my face, in my face, but you got serious for a second there. She went out there, obviously hit it and won the world championships. But it was that where, um, yeah, sometimes it's like, look it, we're 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 a little loose, we're not we're not tight right here, and you're you know certain times where someone could be a favorite, but a favorite can easily lose. Ala Brett Gibbs and Ulan, like we already said, just one misattempt, and the whole thing changes on the dime. Uh, about, uh, all of a sudden, a hunt turns into a battle. It should have been a hunt. Now we're in a fucking battle, okay? And with one misattempt. So when one attempt gets missed, you're real quick got to tighten it up. Hey, 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 hey. One, we're still good. Two, 
I don't know what we're looking at now. We're going to be having some serious talks and making some tough decisions we didn't plan on doing. And that, that's sports. It happens to everybody. Yeah, and with the um, the the open team, you, you get obviously a lot of people that come with their coach. They're obviously more experienced. They may have traveled more, and so there's not as much of that going on for me. I do maybe more of the logistical stuff going uh, leading into the competition and then just kind of like managing them through the competition. But like with the sub-juniors and juniors, a lot of them, it could be like their first time going on a plane. It could be their first time leaving the country. Um, they could be going without their parents, without their coach. So they're completely by themselves. And I'm just like, hey, here's my assistant coach, Bill. He's helping you out today. And Bill has to take over. And so there are a lot of good coaches out there when it comes to mental stuff. And with the kids, like there's Joe Lewis, who's been the sub-junior and junior equipped coach for a number of times. And he's really good. But Bill's one of the best ones that I've seen with the sub-junior and juniors because he knows what to say to them at the right time to build that kind of mental capacity to go out there and get that lift, um, even if they're by themselves. A lot of them, like, they don't don't know what's going on. They could think, like, okay, I missed my second squat. Like, it's all over. I lost. And, like, literally, literally they're winning by, like, 10 or 15 kilos. And Bill's got to be like, yo, get your head out of your fucking ass. Go out there. Make this the next attempt. And they go out there and crush it. Like especially with those those teams like sub junior and juniors people that come by themselves that's their first time it's a big part of that is like getting them right in the right mental aspects to unrack the weight and be like oh shit it's not that heavy I can do this I tell you what like uh, to be perfectly honest because been to enough worlds to have seen it walking around in the warm up room walking around in the halls when people are lined up with, ready for the weigh ins and you see a veteran like Brett who's been to you know countless world championships. And he's been in so many showdowns, and he's met everybody a million times. No big deal. You can tell, and this is in the open, when you see somebody, and it's their first Worlds, and they're like, I don't care what the fuck you think. If you think like a local meets the same as Worlds, fly to a different country where they don't even speak your language. Share an elevator with people from all around the world, and, they're, and they have no idea who they are, and you don't know what they're saying. Show up at the arena, and it's an arena, like in Sweden, and all of a sudden you see a fucking, this is a, the IPF has a real... TV crew. You know, this is what they do for them. They're not powerlifting guys. They're a fucking television production team with all the lights, the whole nine, the massive wall to separate the, the platform from the warm-up room. See all these people that you saw on social media. See all the coaches. See all the personalities. The crowd out there. Hear the national anthem. See the national flags hanging from the rafters. And then it's your time to weigh in. And you can fucking see. I don't care what people are like. Yeah, it's weightlifting. I won't be too rattled. Yes, you will. You'll have a hard time eating, drinking that day. They'll be like, eat something. I can't. I'm nervous. Oh, now I'd be nervous. Huh? You didn't think about that, huh? Well, you have to eat something because you just weighed in. And it's a battle. Everything becomes a battle. We're even just watching them be like, if you don't get past this right now, I know you're not hungry. I know you got butterflies in your stomach and nobody's hungry like this, but we're not eating for hunger. We're eating for gas in the tank. And if you don't pull this around right now, you have to like, I've, I've been at a local meetup to babysit people and be like, I need you drinking water and eating and keep this moving right up in two. Even when you come back from squats and deads, depending on how much water they had to cut and how much they, they drain themselves. Yeah, man, it is a procedure. It is like all hands on deck. Watch this guy. Where's your body weight at right now? What are we looking at? And you can see grown adults who are, man, I'm freaking, listen, I've done however many world championships. When I walk into that arena, it still happens. I still get like, when I put the headset on and they go, they count me down in my ears and they go, okay, and four, five, like, or sorry, that's not counting down, four, (laughs) 
Um, and they count you down to one. I, you know how many sessions I've called in my life? And I'm like, holy shit. It doesn't, it doesn't, I don't care. You're on the Olympic channel and people aren't even into powerlifting. In Europe, they don't give a fuck about baseball, basketball, football, hockey. Well, hockey they do. But then some people, they're into Olympic sports. It's fucking crazy for us. In North America, we're like, what the fuck? We don't watch Olympic sports. I shit you not. There are people in Europe and other parts of the world, they don't give a fuck about our sports. And that is what they watch. So they're watching Olympic powerlifting just because it's on the Olympic channel. When that shit's real. And you feel that when you're a lifter and the pressure's on. You're going to get that, man. I don't care. It doesn't go away. It hasn't gone away from me yet. Have you guys... What's sometimes when you guys felt it the most where you're like, oh, shit. Oh, this is going to be good. I mean, for me, so it was last year in Sweden. And this had nothing to do with the competition or on the platform or anything. It was helping someone make weight. Okay? <laughs> so... We got our 59 kilo lifter, Cole Metz. Oh, I remember. Okay. So, oh. Arian and Chad Wesley Smith are with Marisa with the 52s. And I'm like, okay, I'll go check on Cole. We go weigh him in. He's, he's over. I'm like, all right, dude, what do you want to do? He's like, oh, I've been spitting all day. I've been doing this, that, the other thing. I'm like, all right, there's a shower in the venue. I'm like, get in the shower, turn on every single one of them on hot. I'm like, start spitting. Here's a bunch of gum. Here's a bunch of this, whatever. So, we get him closer, we get him closer, we get him closer. So finally, the person at the weigh is like, hey, try doing a handstand. I'm like, cool. My man is butt naked doing a handstand on the scale. I got one hand. I'm holding him up like this with one hand. He's, he's, he's massively weak. He can't do anything. I'm like, what is going on here? I didn't sign up for this, Arian. This is your job. So, this is, so finally, is there he's out there with Risa. Is there yeah, some science behind that? Is there some science behind this, Arian? Are you a freaky motherfucker? Because what are we talking about? Get him to do a handstand butt naked with the shower. So, yeah, apparently the blood rushes differently and you weigh differently when you do a handstand. I'm not sure. But regardless, he's still over. So finally, there's like 20 minutes left until weigh-ins are over. And Aaron comes back. He's like, bro, you told me if you were overweight, you cut your hair. So he grabs some scissors and he just oh. cuts the dude's hair. He gets on the scale. He's exactly 59. Like, go eat right you're, now. You're like, Get off the yeah. scale right away before it changes. Get off the scale, so, right away. Don't hesitate before it changes. 100%, yeah. Before it changes, get off the scale. So I'm like, bro, I'm done. I'm like tapped out already. I didn't even start warming this kid up. Like I'm sweating. I'm hurting. Everything. My, my emotions are all over the place. And then we go talk to his mom. He's like, you a fucking asshole. Don't worry about it. It's going to never happen again. She was so pissed off. And it was the funniest thing. But um, yeah, you end up having a decent meet for whatever. But like that was the most stressed out I've ever been at one of these national cha- or world championships by far. Dude. And it wasn't even the meat. It was just just that hour and a half trying to get the kid weighed in. It was crazy. In terms of like, wow, I was asking you earlier what it takes to be a U.S. national team coach. You guys are fucking take your job seriously, man. All right? Like, <laughs> like, how badly do you want it when you're holding the gentleman upside? That sounds like a prison story, first of all. <laughs> if someone tuned in late, they'd be like, what the shit is this guy talking about? But um, holy smokes. I remember that. And Cole was like, by the time Dennis came, was like puking on the platform. Because yeah, um, yeah. it was, here's the, here's the thing. For you guys, it was already, it already is what it is. Like, there's there's nothing you can do. It's like, I can't, I couldn't help you cut the body weight before you came. I couldn't help you water load and, and appropriately. You show up and it's like, well, here we are. And here's what I have to deal with, I guess. Like, so you're, the best you could do is, I'm going to get you on weight. And I'm going to get you as hydrated as possible. But... 
You, communication would have happened. If you were 20 yeah. kilo over when you signed up or whatever was going on. Um, but yeah, he finished the day nonetheless. But he looked like he was from The Walking Dead. And he was puking oh. on the platform. It was amazing yeah. that he did what he did. It was amazing that you guys squeezed everything out of him that you did. And then he saw, I was shocked when um, in the USAPL Raw Nats preview show, I seen that he signed up as a 59 again. And I'm like... Get the fuck out of here! Get the <laughs> this kid's got a pension for this kid's got a pension for like a glutton for pain or something. Like what the hell, man? It, cutting he weight. Sorry, go ahead. He, he didn't come down, right? What's that? He, he didn't, didn't make it. He didn't make it. No, he bombed out. No, it was a terrible idea. I don't think he even came downstairs from his hotel room for the win. What? 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 Like. <laughs> What's and so I, I, after that, after I heard about that, I, I talked to his university coach, Tim Anderson, and I talked to him later about moving up a weight class and stopping this shit. And they, yeah, like they kind of, and their, their original plan was for collegiate nationals to test out the higher weight class and then see what to do for raw nationals. We'll see if that's still the plan, but that was definitely a crazy story. A, a somewhat similar, but a failed attempt was 2015 in Finland. Bill wasn't there was for Botsy Bailey trying to make the 93 kilo weight class. And I guess he thought he was good when he got there and he went on a scale they had there, but it wasn't a calibrated scale at each hotel. It was just like a generic scale. And he thought his weight was good. And then later on, he checked his weight on the, the meat scale at the venue and realized he's over. So he's in Finland at the hotel in the sauna trying to lose the weight. And I guess at the hotel, they have certain times that are for men and certain times that are for women. So his time for the men was up, so they kicked them out. And so he didn't have time to finish cutting. So what he did is he put his track uniform on, his track pants and his jacket, and zipped it up and jogged the half a mile or one mile to the venue to help lose the weight. He gets to the venue, um, dries himself up, hops on the scale. He's still over. So he goes into the bathroom. He's trying to pee. He's trying to poop. I'm there with his buddy. His buddy's sticking his finger down his throat to oh, try and I'm glad you said throat. throat. I'm glad you said throat because I swear <laughs> to God, with your, la- with your last story, I swear to God, I was like, Arian, enough. <laughs> he was, his buddy, you go, his buddy was holding his ankles and my fucking finger was down and I was trying to initiate some poo. And, it, it's, um, an, it's an old wives tale. It's an old trick. It's an old trick we used in 2015 and it worked. So it's like, all right, wow. He, he couldn't puke. There was there was nothing left in him. There was nothing left in his body. He couldn't get him to puke. And he was still overweight. And the time ran out, and he missed weight. So he didn't get to compete. For those that don't know, if you go to Worlds and you don't make weight, you don't get to compete. So then he had to go and say bye um, to everyone. He went over and like, talked to Gino and stuff and said, like, hey, I didn't make weight. I'm not going to be able to compete. I'm leaving in a day or two, so I might not see you guys. Bye. And he's like coming off, I think, the, the main area where he's talking to Gino. And someone goes, hey, are you Garrett Bailey? And he goes, yeah. And they picked him for drug testing. <laughs> so then he has to like chug a bunch of water and get his hydration back in him so he can do his drug testing. Um, and at, at some point, the head coach at the time, Angela uh, Simons and myself, had to like pull him over to the side and talk to him and say like, hey, you're you're – still a junior you're like going into the open you're still filling out your body maybe it's time for you to go up a weight class so eventually he moved up from the 93s up to the 105 weight class um and it done pretty well in the 105s um in the raw and equipped man that's a that was... <laughs> first off these you guys saved the best stories when we passed two hours we're at two and a half hours and i think we're just fucking heating up like what the hell was these? i should have 
led with the water cut stories. I didn't, I didn't, and he says that he's chugging some water here. Well, so, not so real quick, speaking yeah. of water cut stories, I have an LS story, and it has nothing to do with making weight, believe it or not. <laughs> so in Belarus 2017, um, you know, LS is competing. Dave Rick's on the team at the same time. So I'm helping out LS um, with his girlfriend, Stephanie, same thing. We're going through the whole day. He hits his last deadlift, um, and we basically picked this deadlift because we knew he could hit it, and we knew we would put him in the lead. And the amount of missed deadlifts going on the week prior on third attempts was, like, astounding. Like, we were counting the numbers. It was, like, 78% or something like that. So it was like, hey, let's take a safe number. Let's pick this number. Guarantee he makes it. And I'm sure at least two or three of these guys ahead of him are going to miss. So we pick the number. He comes off. And he finds out what it was. And he was pissed. He was absolutely pissed. He throws his belt. He's like, are you fucking kidding me? Blah, 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 blah. That was only 315 kilos or whatever it was. was? Yeah. He puts his hoodie on. He puts his sweatsuit on. He's like, I'm fucking leaving. I'm like, bro, hold on one sec. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, there's three deadlifters left. All three of them miss your world champ. He's like, what's the fucking chances of that? I go, pretty damn good, man. Just relax with me. I was like, breathe me for a second. We got this. Right? So all of a sudden we hear, boom, boom. Sorry, no lift. I was like, all right, now you're in bronze, bro, guaranteed. Yeah. He's like, okay. Yeah, he's like kind of still putting his stuff on, putting his stuff in his bag. All of a sudden, boom, no lift. Sorry. I was like, all right, bro, silver medal. This guy misses your gold medal. He's like, for real? I'm like, yeah. So he goes out there, starts cheering the guy on, whatever. I think it was Anatoly, actually, from Ukraine. <laughs> and, um, you know, Anatoly tries to pull it and misses it. Boom, world champ, like that. But he went, for, like, literally within a four-minute window of being like, Pissed off to no belief to world champion like that. <laughs> to like to be like, I owe you a beer, sir. <laughs> and, and, and dare I say an apology. <laughs> like, yeah, afterwards he was like, bro, I'm so sorry. I was acting like that. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Your emotions were ahead of you. It's all good. Good. We got it done what we needed to get done. It's all good. And, you you know, know, and that's where um the difference in if if the, if the lifter's picking his own or if, or if the coach is okay. picking his own. Are you you got did I pause for a second there? Yeah, I didn't get any of that. You broke up on us. Okay. And that's where if a lifter's picking his own or or his programming coach might be picking his own, um, you might be thinking, like, look at I got four guys coming after me because I'm a subtotal guy. I need a bigger deadlift than that. It's way too nerve-wracking. You're like, what are the chances all four of those guys are gonna lift? And and you're gonna be like, I can I think I can lift this much in, in terms of my third day. But here's the thing: you've looked at the stats. So many third attempts were making it. And if you don't pick properly, you're going to be one of them. And that's where you need that national team coaching where it's like your emotions aren't attached. I got, look, I'm not emotionally attached to any of these numbers. And these round numbers, your PRs, I give a fuck. I don't even, it doesn't mean anything to me. You know what we're here for? Gold medal. I'm going to load it with what I think. Because based on the stats, and I know you guys have like stats on the opposing lifters. And you know how often they fail their thirds and how often they blah, blah, blah. And uh, Matt Gary had told me, like, yeah, Mandy, we know who are the main guns and what are we to anticipate when they're when they're jammed up and it's a pull for the third, how does it look? And you already know, okay, well, statistically speaking, if we back him in this corner, he's going to miss his third. So then if the game rolls out and he's backed in the corner, you don't have to necessarily load the bar with more than his third is because you're almost anticipating he's not going to hit his third. You need him to miss and you need yourself to hit sometimes. I mean, these are the stats that you don't, when you're the lifter or you're the viewer, you don't always know. You're just like, why the fuck didn't he lift more than that? 
You have to uh, throw some uh, Matt Gary stats at you. I pulled them up right here while you were talking. So these might be a, a couple years old, but he pulled it from lots of national and international competitions. So it probably doesn't change that much over time. But for the third attempt squat, 43% of people miss. For the, for the third attempt deadlift, 49% of people miss. And then for both third attempt squat and deadlift, so the reason why probably a lot of people miss that third deadlift is because they're probably behind in total they're trying to go for like a big total or trying to go for placing going for the win and stuff like that but there's 25% of people that miss those two third attempts which for most people makes the bulk of your total unless you're a bencher that makes the bulk of your total so that goes back to the LS story LS made what he knew he could make and that puts the pressure on the other lifters to make something that they're not quite sure if they can make it or not and then the mental aspect gets in there too like oh shit I don't know if I can do this and then it gets to them. And, and going back to the, the, the research and stuff like that, yeah, there's plenty of people that do it. I know as far back as 2015 Worlds, um, Matt couldn't go due to injury, and I was going as an assistant, and he emailed me leading up telling me stuff that he knows about certain countries, saying like, oh, I know Finland likes to pick their attempts like this, and so if you see a big opener, they're going to take small jumps, you're going to catch up on them, don't worry about it, and they, and they miss the third Dallas often. Um, the strength guys for Taylor Atwood, they, I mean, if you're going against Taylor Atwood, you better be ready for everything. They're pulling all the data on you, on what you've done in meets, figuring out what your jumps are, how many attempts you make, what your totals are. They're looking at your training, seeing what kind of body weight you're at, and figuring out everything to kind of help them out, pick the best plan to uh, beat you. And that, listen, let's talk about that for a second, because um, some people have... When it comes to the 74s, all right, man, we'll bring it back to the 74s. Yeah, yeah. Man, 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 fucking full listen, circle, bro. Listen, full I'm circle. sorry, man. Listen, oh. listen, though. Listen, though. Listen, though. Almost three hours, and I have been a gentleman with very little, very little 74s. So humor me for a second. Um, it is true, though, when it comes to the, the young guns coming up, what, what Taylor has in his corner in terms of handling, you're 100% right. Like, Taylor brings the package. Obviously, he's fucking crazy talented obviously. But even Taylor himself says, it's not just me, my fucking team. When these guys come up, if you have uneven performances, you know, you can't make it to the end of a competition, whatever. He's like, that's all part of it though. That is all part of it though. It didn't, you didn't slip on a banana peel. That was part of the sport is whether it's cutting weight, rehydrating or whatever the shit. And he's like, the reason why I'm not trying to be hard, I'm not trying to be mean, I'm not trying to be this way. But when I say that, he goes, I don't think the general public knows how much we put into it. And, um, and and Taylor says that, and and some people don't understand what he's saying, but I think you gave a little peek there. The strength guys, who are the guys behind Taylor, they fucking do that kind of research on these guys. They watch all their videos, crunch all the statistical numbers on how often do you miss your thirds on on all of them, and what your what what is realistic jumps from your previous performance to this one, statistically speaking. Uh, your gym list, they'll take a look at it, but they also know how much are you weighing routinely for your gym list. So you're, if you're thinking, I'm going to fuck with them by, you know, putting up this fake opener, probably not. You're probably not. Because they're like, I got you. That's a fake opener. Like, the, yeah. like the, you're not styling on them like we styled on that kid in the Canadian Nationals I said earlier. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. And, and, and it kind of comes full circle. I said, like, you fellas are the same way. And that's the difference with handling. Where, you know, the scientific approach of give me your numbers in an Excel sheet when you're doing it, when you're doing your actual programming and based off the numbers I'm receiving, I'm telling you what's next, what's next week. And we're actually collecting data and using data to to construct your program. And that's what the straight guys do. And I'm sure that's what you guys do and all the top guys do. 
they do the same for handling. It's not how you feel. Five kilo, ten. They they already they're gonna ask, but that's not it. You know, it's 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 the same for handling. Handling is getting up to that point now, and the strength guys are at the forefront of that for sure. Yeah, and uh, going back to a word we used earlier, Taylor has a posse with them when he goes. Oh, yeah. So. So he, he has uh, Jason and Ben who do the programming and they calculate all the, the game plans and everyone's attempts and what kind of numbers they've done in training, everything like that. Uh, ben also helps out with the nutrition side, like saying, hey, drink this um, for caffeine or whatever he needs for hydration afterwards. Then he has his dad back there who is his hype man, his mental coach, telling him what he needs to hear, everything like that. And in previous years when Susie was the head coach, we have Susie and Matt Gary back there who know all the ins and outs of the rules and attempt selection and you know what other countries do and everything like that. And so he has this posse of coaches like a, a real sport would have. You have whatever, an offensive coach, coordinator, defensive coordinator. You have the chiropractor. You have the strength conditioning coach. He has everything to put him in the best position to, to win. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that is the level. That's why when people coming up, if that's not you – you better be a fuckload stronger than Taylor. Because if you're planning on he just has an off day and misses, this dude covers his bases. The reason why he's the king, he's covering, he's taking it. Like, it's like when George St. Pierre came into MMA. MMA was kind of coming from grassroots level, burgeoning sports mainstream. And St. Pierre bridged the gap where he put together training camps where it wasn't nice to have a coach. He's like, I, he has all the different coaches. Like whether it's strength and conditioning coach, nutrition coach, striking coach, grappling coach and then he's got his main coach his corner man and the whole nine he brought it all together and he put so much where it's like if you're gonna beat me you can't just be tougher than me you gotta be there's so many variables you gotta be so much better than me to beat me or i have to have such an off day but i'm not fucking up my weight cut because i have a guy on that specifically just on that i'm not fucking up my training because they're crunching the data and watching the velocity of my bar path and the whole nine they know where i'm at and i'm not fucking up in terms of my attempts because they know all of my attempts and they know all of your attempts i'm just not fucking up so how are you guys gonna beat me that's why he walks around with that smile just just to throw a couple more stories in there bill real quick just because he said velocity Uh, i'll throw a couple more stories uh my buddies at squats and science if you see them at a national championship or at the arnold's like that you'll see they have the device on there and they're using to track the velocity for the last warm-up or maybe the second the last warm-up to do a gauge for attempts um obviously you can't put that on the bar on the platform to pick your temps perfectly but we had a guy his name is donnie bingham and at worlds in finland because he's a big velocity guy he had me with my phone trying to time his concentric range of motion as best as I could. And based on the time it took for him to come up with each attempt uh, for the concentric portion, he would adjust his attempts like that to try and match it with all the velocity training he'd been doing. So there's people that get really detailed into that data stuff to try and pick their attempt perfectly on how they're feeling that day. Dog, you got to be like, would it look like, I fucking quick, man, I don't know. What do you want? Come on. I, I was hitting the start button and the stop real fast trying to time yeah, this. You're like, you're like, you're not Usain Bolt. What is this? What are we fucking <laughs> talking about? I can't move my fingers that quickly, dog. It was it was good. It looked good. You're about five kilo. Get out of here. <laughs> Were you going to say something, Bill? No, I'm just saying, like, when you go to these world championships or even national level meets where, like, you know, I know the lifters that my my people are competing against and like you know i look at the trends and i have all the scattering reports and pretty much when i see the openers i can kind of tell you how it's going to happen what's going to happen 
you know, you know, you know, the, the jumps are pretty steady for the most part and all that stuff. Um, so like if you get yourself someone who knows what they're doing, like it's not that much of a guessing game and you can kind of know you have to put your foot on the gas a little bit or you can throttle back and, you know, with your lifters, you can actually make it a lot easier day than need to be if you know what's actually going to happen, you know, yeah. going forward kind of yeah. thing, you know? Yeah, 100%. Um, listen, fellas, this is fucking... We banged off two and a half hours. Is there any topics we should bang off or are we pretty good? This is... Dude, This I fucking knew this was going to be this good. For anyone who likes to know and doesn't know, we... What do we... Do we talk pretty much every goddamn day? For the most part. For the most part. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the one question I have for you. Okay. So Arian said he he listened to the Joey Flex podcast and said he was, you know, upset that Sean ended up leaving him. Did Joey feel the same way when you left Joey? Oh, shit. Well, I kind of doubled back to ask him, though. But uh, you, didn't, you didn't even mention it when you talked about it? You talked about other guys? No, no, I, I didn't. I didn't even oh, mention man. that. All I right. did not. That's actually a pretty okay. good question. Um, Is it general information that people know you were coached by Joey? Um. Uh, I don't know, man. It, cer- it certainly, it certainly was uh, like it wasn't a secret. I put, I tagged him on posts and shit. But it wasn't. But I've been coached like Brett coached me for a bit too. I've been coached here and there. I mean, I get around, fellas. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I was just asking because I know the whole thing with the, with the Sean deal, the so I didn't know if it was. I think the difference would be, you know what? Let me ask you guys this because then, because maybe you would feel the same way though. Here's what I ask: what like the the real difference would be like because. He had Sean from, like, humble beginnings right up until, like, you know, national level. I mean, Sean's going to – he was in Belarus and blah, 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 right? Um, we know Sean's resume. But not just Sean, though. It, like, he's just the most prominent because, like, he's the most prominent. But there's people who might not be – it doesn't matter about social media how prominent they are. It would be difficult as a coach, I think, to have someone that's with you for so long and then you part ways. That's cool. Well, yeah, because I mean, because if you're not building that interpersonal like friendship with them, then what's it all about, right? Yeah. So like you're losing a friend, basically, what's happening, right? So if you have someone that's been with you for four, five, six, seven years, you know, that's that's a friend, that's a family member you're losing. Yeah. You know, so if you don't have that with your coach and you don't feel that way, then something's probably not right. But you know what I'm saying? But like, you know, to lose someone that you've been friends with that long. It's tough, regardless of your, you know, professional relationship or whatever it is. Yeah. You got to be fucking friends by that point, right? Yeah. That's why, like, Joey actually said, he's like, look at, he's like, it was, yeah, I mean, it's tough. He said, you look at, and you guys probably have gone through it the same. He's like, you can't get, you, you can't take it personally, essentially, he's saying. I'm not, but he said, me and, me and Sean, we, he goes near the end because we were kind of butting heads um, in terms of, like, ideas and training. Because Sean was starting to become grow into his old man in terms of he's coaching now himself he's got quite the team as well and he wanted to start taking over the reins himself and it started becoming all right let's do the template but let's also let me jig this template up a little bit and it's like well okay and then it became more and more to be like maybe it was maybe a little uh, more 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 right and it is kind of the way joey described it so near the end it was almost like look it almost mutually okay we kind of know see the wall the, the the writing on the wall and after the cut was made where Sean's going to make his own way. And now he's coaching himself and he's got his own coaching staff. Joey's like, we're able now to be back to being buddy, buddy. Now that it's no longer business wise, 
Now we can just go to shoot shit and make, can we just shoot some shit here? Can we just talk whatever? Because now we don't have to talk about that. It's not, our relationship isn't based on that anymore. And that became kind of weird for a little while as the segue was happening. And um, Joey's like, near the end it got, it got kind of funky like that. But then now he's like, man, we're way better now. Now we can shoot the shit and that's kind of, but I do understand those some- I, I don't know. But then I all think, of a sudden you show, up at, you show up at nationals and now Sean's going up against fucking Russ and all of a sudden, you know, your feelings got to be back again. Right. You and, know what I mean? unless, unless Joey's like, he feels good about the guy he's got. Where it, mm. where, where it's like... Well, I mean, I'm saying they're friends now until that shit you know, hits the fan again in October. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I was, was going to say there's, there's like two parts to it that are on opposite sides. One part to it, I think, I don't think it's as bad for the breakup in that... Sean does his own coaching, like he coaches his own athletes, and also he's coached himself before for a lot of things and made adjustments. So it's not like saying like, "Oh, I'm leaving Joey for this other coach." It was like, yeah. "Hey, I'm going to try out my own stuff and maybe find someone else more local to work with, or maybe right, someone right, else right. to bounce ideas off of." So like, that's like not that bad of a breakup. But on the other side, on the other extreme, there's like, "Oh, well, at every major competition, Sean and Russ are going at it, and Danny and Amanda are going at it." So then there's like that rivalry of like, "Hey." My, me versus you or my lifter versus that's your lifter tough, man. that's that's a whole nother level of tough right and that's very it's it's um fuck me it's almost like it's awkward it's real life but it is literally like if you're making a movie about powerlifting uh, you would have a tv executive in a room saying okay this is kind of boring um we gotta spice it up because these these people are just lifting weights here's what i'm thinking and then we need a romantic we need a romance story in there and they're both champions we need uh, you know a coach who you know we, you start making this up and then it's like it's and that's tough that's very difficult they're, they're trying to try to as softly as possible you're right I mean it's not easy it, it, at the very least too you, it would be tough for you also I agree that if they left you for a different coach as opposed to if they left and they took over the reins themselves because then it is like a fuck but it, it happens. It is going to happen with almost everybody. Almost everybody. So you're... Are you saying we should, instead of West Side versus the world, we should do Flex Boys versus the world? Uh, that's a bit of a stretch, but all right. <laughs> Flex Boys versus we, the world. You, I, mean, I mean, you got like Hack versus Gibbs. You got you got Nori leaving. You got Russ versus Nori. You got Amanda coming on and Danny leaving. And Danny what, versus what, Amanda. Hey, listen, 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 listen. I'll pitch it to Netflix if I get the right <laughs> Hey, hey, I'm not. Hey, hey, I didn't say no. Aaron. I didn't say no. Let me let me put together a one pager. Let me put together a small pilot. Uh, we'll cut it up and we'll pitch. We'll see what happens. But but yeah, in, in general, uh, I listened today to what uh, Joey said in the podcast, and and I it kind of resonated with me. I agree with a lot of the stuff he says. Like at some point, you're gonna have someone leave you for whatever reason. Either you exactly. fucked up. The lifter fucked up. Maybe it was just like you guys didn't agree on things. Maybe the person couldn't afford it anymore. I've had a few lifters leave me because they got pregnant and they couldn't lift anymore. There's all kinds of scenarios that can come up, but eventually someone's going to leave you. I remember for me that the first time it happened, it was kind of like your your first breakup with a girlfriend. It was like, man, you felt like so down on yourself. Like you feel like you're a failure. Like I lost my first client and stuff like that. But after a while, once it happens more and more, you have to just like realize, okay, this is business. Like not everything's a good fit. Um, as Joey said, um, sometimes there's a disagreement and you kind of have to like go your own way. Um, and you have to like hope that like, okay, either I'm good enough to continue coaching other lifters and, and make them great. And, and you have to believe that that person's going to go find someone else that's gonna, hopefully going to make them better. You're right. Where 
I'm sure the first one's got to be tough. I think he said exactly that too, and that, that's probably totally makes sense. Where initially, when you're first starting out, and it, and it happens a couple times, you're like, oh, okay, I didn't think there was a problem. Okay, well, and you could be, you know, you said like something happens. Sometimes nothing happens though. Sometimes they still go because they just want to shake it up. They want to try something new. And um, like that, that happens too. You did nothing wrong. And, uh, and they did nothing wrong and there's and you guys are vibing but they're like hey I just I'm interested in I see a lot of improvement with this one coach he's killing it with some of these people I want to see what that hype's all about you know and it can happen and then there's see some, some people just want to mix it up they feel stagnant it might be nothing to do with you but just a new something new and they're just like they feel rejuvenated and you just gotta piece it together and be like like basically you're saying the same thing that Joey was where it's like you gotta deal with who you have like it's not over because someone leaves, someone else comes. So it's just like in life in general. When someone leaves your life, another person comes in your life, whether it's friends or whatever the shit. It never stops. Life will keep moving, and the next day, and there'll be a new person. You're going to start all over again, and that new person might be with you for the next five years. And they're your new person, right, where you're like, fuck, it's me and you. And then they break your fucking heart. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I want to throw in there, and maybe Bill can give us um, a tip or two about it, is that from what I've seen and what I hear, Get the Lift has one of the highest retention rates I've heard of powerlifting coaches. I don't know if he has any tips for us. Well, have you heard the shower story? (laughs) (laughs) He's very close. They're very close. They're very close with the lifters. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, I just, I listen, I make it as much about the lifters as about myself. I make it into a family atmosphere. I really try to listen and befriend everyone that I deal with. And I'm in this for them, not in it for myself kind of deal. So I really, honestly, truly have their best intentions in mind when I do this. And that's why I do this. I mean, if I wanted to make a bunch of money, I would have done something else. But I really enjoy and love what I do for a living, and I really put that into my programming, my care, my love, my everything I have for these lifters to make sure that they feel like they get everything out of me kind of deal. And I expect the same from them. Now, listen, I've definitely fired some lifters because I don't get the same respect back 100%. Um, so if you're, if listen, I'm, it's not all about take and give. Like if, if you can't give back to me, then I can't give to you kind of deal. But when I do mesh with those people, they're here for life, man. There's no question about it. They're here for life. That's it, man. You gotta, it's like, you gotta build a relationship basically. Yeah. For the, the last couple of years, Bill, how many times a year have you done like a group meetup where everyone drives or flies in and trains together? Yeah, we do try to do like maybe two or three times a year. We do that. We'll get big group training sessions together. Um, when we go to like big national meets in the Arnold and stuff like that, I'll rent a house where everyone kind of stay with us together um, to really make it like a, a friendship, a family, like an actual team. Like in this in the individual sport, you're an actual team. We're like, oh, hey, I'm a 47. Oh, cool. I'm a 72. I would never, ever see you at nationals because you're done and gone by the time. But we're friends and we're staying and we're actually going to stay the whole week and watch you and help you and come back in the back and all that kind of stuff. Like I really push that whole family atmosphere with my people. And it really pays off in, like I said, in the retention, but also in just the happiness of the lifters. Like they're in their joy to deal with because they're not like they can actually instead of just coming to me and being like, hey, listen, I have this problem, blah, 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 whatever, they can bounce it off a couple other lifters, too, yeah. that are now their actual friends. 
know what I'm saying? So it's not just me and them relationship. It's, you know, them with, you know, 17, 18, 20, 45 other people that they can actually go to and actually would treat them with the same respect that they deserve kind of deal. And, and how much confident more are you when you walk into a competition and you got that many people got your back and you, you're mobbing around this event and you got a few dozen people around. It's a lot. It's just easier when you actually have a rapport as opposed to, yeah, he's, he's on the same team. He doesn't know you. He got no rapport. So you still oh, feel individual. It's a lot easier dealing pressure. And, and the deal too is we're the most fun. We party the most. And they all want to come and hang out with us afterwards, right? We walk around with the cooler with all the beers and this and that, whatever. Like people are coming to find us, right? Yeah. They're not coming to find other other teams. So we actually have a good time because this is a fun sport. It's not that serious. It's fucking fun, man. How, how... If you, if you, <laughs> I'm just gonna say, if you want to drink some beers, come drink with Tristan and Jake and see. <laughs> What's what, how do um, how do people get a hold of you guys for your coaching? Go ahead, Aaron. Uh, well, on Instagram, it's Coach Arian K, and then uh, our website is squatsandscience.com. There we go. And you, Bill? Cool. Uh, Instagram would be at getthelift, or it's getthelift.gmail.com. You can find me. That's it. And is there anybody you guys want to shout out or anything before we, we piece it up? Because now we're pushing it to three-hour range. This is a fucking big – listen, I knew it was going to be like this, though, because we already had – we already knew each other. We didn't have to break the ice or nothing. So it's going to be easier. So we, we listen. We got to do this again, obviously, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, during the stream, I got a uh, text from Sarah Brenner, aka Sarah Squats, and she says, "I'm being too PC." So maybe we got to do another episode where we go even deeper did, into this shit. Did, did she miss some of these stories you guys told? She must have came in late because that was PC. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so you want to thank my wife for putting the kids to bed tonight? Um, so we can start on time. I appreciate that. And obviously all my lifters out there, I appreciate you guys. And the Crispy Boys, 338 for life, baby. Come on. There it is. There it is. Arian? Uh, last thing, I don't know who this guy is, but some guy named Starving Ascension wants you to know 72 is actually the least populated on open power thing compared to 83s, 93s, and 105s. 74 or 72? 74, sorry. Our yeah. least populated Done. Yeah, but not in, not in Ryan's heart. It's the most popular. So it's all good. That's all that matters. <laughs> That's it. Thank you, Bill. You got me there. You you have my back all on that. All that matters. That's all that matters. Listen, gentlemen. Um, thank you much, Lee. It's been a blast. Uh, I can't I can't fucking thank you enough, man. Three hours of content for everybody in lockdown. I hope they appreciate, and uh, we'll keep in touch. I'm sure we're probably going to talk right after this in our group chat. <laughs> More See, stories next month, bro. Come that's on. That's it. That's it. We'll keep in touch. We'll bring you back. All right. See you, All right, man. Love you, buddy. See ya. See ya. Bam! Holy shit. There it is. Back to back. Ooh, three hours. Oh, shit. <laughs> Excuse me, pardon me. Back to back. Three hours. Holy moly, man. It's uh, We're building off the content for you guys, so I hope you appreciate it. And um, this weekend, we got another podcast, so tune in, Six Pack Labadat, tell your friends, make sure you subscribe on everything that you're watching in every platform, um, take the little Instagram stories, post it up, I will repost, much appreciate for tuning in, and oh shit, Jay Buck, Tina Tornado, everybody on here, I didn't even stop to look, peace. <laughs>